At Coco Talk, we'd like to thank the patrons who sponsor our show. So our warmest gratitudes go out to Al Hartman, Alan Murphy, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donahue, Brian Weasler, D. Bruce Moore, Davey Mitchell, Diego, Disney Saints fan, Eric Canales, Fedor Stamen, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vebke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Bucata, Jason Downs, Jenna Farron, Ken Reichard, Kyle Etter, Malfunk, Michael Pitsley, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Richard Lorbieski, Rob Inman, Stephen Wagner, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tom C., Tom S., and Tim Lindler. Thank you ever so much, patrons. Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encourage, sense of humor recommended. If any off-color comments were made, we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calore computer. It's time to drop your socks, grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Coco Talk, everyone's favorite live talk show featuring a Tandy Calore computer. We're here with episode 174. We got all kinds of special things to talk about this week. Just you wait and see. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. All right, all right, all right. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calore computer, featuring a panel of, um, hold on, I got to put on my Mark Overholzer uh, magnifying glasses. Man, this is a great looking panel. I swear to God, you guys get better looking all the time. I don't know how you do it. What's your secret? Which nostril hair are you referring yes, to there with yes. those glasses so, on? Uh, those are like beer goggles, I'm assuming. Yeah, so we are here. <laughs> Welcome back. We got a great panel for you. We have in the top left-hand corner our backup streamer and engineer, Mark Bosley's in the house. Welcome, Mark. Hello. On the top of the screen from the bottom of the world, David O'Connor is here. Good eye, David. Hello, everybody. <laughs> He's got some Tandy products in his garage, everybody. It's Rondelvo <laughs> from O Canada. L. Curtis Boyle's with us. Good afternoon, everybody. All right. <laughs> Man whose name is so nice. We must say it thrice. It is none other than... Nick Marona. How are you, Nick? 
I am doing very well. Thank you so much for asking. And did you get your eyebrows waxed, Nick? You are looking I, fabulous. They I, are just growing wild right now. Are they really? The okay. Backyard, so, All right. You know. You look amazing. You look so that amazing. testosterone he has, yes, I think. Yes. Right. <laughs> hey, I'm Italian. What do you want? A guy whose <laughs> beard is so nice that we must just stare at it thrice. We got Rick Eulen with us. Hey, Rick, how are you? Yo. Yo. <laughs> we got we got the the uh, the man, the myth, the legend, our resident Apple guy on the road, Mark D. Overholzer's here. Hey, Mark. Here. Glad to be here. All right, how's the show looking from your angle there? Are we looking good? You don't see any flux or any uh, anything else going okay, on there, right? Okay. Things, things looking good? Okay, excellent, Looks excellent. Excellent. All right, we have legendary right, game designer. We have the creator of the Nightmare Highway song that shall ever live in our hearts and minds. Rick Adams is here. Welcome, Rick. Thank you, thank you. Thank you very much. You're too kind. Oh, thank you. Uh, we have Brian, the music man, Shoebring with us. Hello, Brian. Hello, 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 everybody. I'm back. You're back. We're glad to have you. Alan Murphy's with us. Hello, Alan. Greetings, Earthlings. From the bottom of the world, on the bottom of the screen, he's working on his 19th Ferrari with his latest hit single coming out to a Coco near you. Nicholas Marentes. Good eye, Nick. Good, good eye, everyone. <laughs> All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We also have a very special guest, James Diffendaffer's in the house. Welcome, David. I mean, James. I'm not sure how I should respond. I know that. that. I'm sorry. I, was, I, was, <laughs> <laughs> I am caffeinated and cranky and ready to go. Caffeinated and cranky <laughs> and ready to go. And, of course, we save the best for last we, we like to call him Mr. Enthusiasm. David Ladd, are you excited to be here today? Why, hell I am. We're ready to go, right? Are we ready to go? I certainly am. That We've got the great panel. We've got all the great uh, viewers that like watching us. I, I don't know why, but, you know. You know <laughs> <laughs> to sell the show, David. You know, uh, we're just ready. Now, the thing is, can we keep this train wreck on the tracks this Dude, week? David, can we? There are can some we? excellent decaffeinated brands. <laughs> well, We've already uh, gone off the tracks. <laughs> I, I just like to say. I only have to cut back. I only do six liters of pop a day. Uh, in, six? In, I could do more. In yeah. honor of Mark D. Overholzer, you can shut up now, David. Uh, the <laughs> resident Apple guy today <laughs> is being played by yours truly here. So I've got an Apple. I've got my goggles on. So Mark D. Overholzer is being represented as he should properly be. So we're here. Thank you, David, for your enthusiasm. Your enthusiasm is contagious, as is whatever fungus you've got growing on your lip. But that's fine. All right. So we are here. We've got people already watching us, too, in the live panel. Nimble is out there. Rob Inman, Nick Morota, Dave and Sharon. Jim R. is there. Al Hartman, Kevin Holloway, James Jones, Alexander Wallace from Mexico is here. Mark Bosley, Rob Inman, Kevin Holloway, Alexander Wallace, Mark B., the job is here. Canadian Retro Things is here. Paco Otakte, Quinn Good, Jim R. Bill Noble. That's Curtis's partner in crime is out there. All right. We're Amigos Retro Gaming is here. We're all here. The show is ready. We're about ready to get start. 
get started. We have a few people that are hopefully going to join us in the near future. We're not sure when they're going to pop in, but when they do, we might need to interrupt this program that's already in progress to let those people speak. But we're hoping that Brett Gordon might pop on and show us what he's been up to. We've seen a few pictures in Discord of something he's working on. And then we're hoping that later in the show, Paul Shoemaker might be able to pop on. So we're not sure when those folks will or won't join us. Lloyd Thompson just jumped in. Hey, Lloyd. So we might have a few people pop in. And if those people pop in, we might interrupt what we're working on. Now that we've said and done all that, is it time to get to everyone's favorite part of the show, Nick Morota? Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay, well, since we... Call me off guard. Closing credits already. <laughs> closing credits. All right, thank you. Good night. Thank you. We'll be here all week. Thank you. Well, are we try going the, to... Yeah. Try the fish. Yeah, so... Yes, yes, yes. So, since we don't currently have our guests here to speak to, we're going to jump right into the Game On segment. And as we jump into the Game On segment, we're going to lead into that with a Coco, one of Ron Delvaux's favorite parts of the show, um, but a Coco Thoughts musical from Samuel. I'm not sure if it's a musical. I haven't seen it yet. But uh, we're going to start off with Coco Thoughts, and then we're going to hear the results of this week's Game of the Week and, and so much more. So enjoy Coco Thoughts, everybody. Okay. Now my stream deck is not working. That's too bad. <laughs> that is. <laughs> Are you guys talking Jar. amongst yourselves? The best cocoa to the, the, the best um the best Samuel Gimes yet. Yeah, hold on one second here. I'm trying to fix this. Why don't you just let me sing? There we go. <clears throat> Ron, well, go ahead, Ron. Go ahead, Ron. Go ahead. All right. <clears throat> here we go. <laughs> and now Cocoa Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. Sea mines, there's lasers, we dodge them and shoot, dodge up, me arties, yo ho. There's sea ships and tunnels, the boss is a brute, dodge down, me arties, yo ho. Yo ho, yo ho, play sea dragon with me. I crash once, I crash twice, and then I crash twice, mess up, me arties, yo ho. A bang and a crunch can be the price, sink down, me arties, yo ho. Yo ho, yo ho, run, sing along with me. I practice the fight to get to the end, work out, me arties, yo ho. When I do succeed, I can't comprehend. There is no dragon, yo ho, yo ho, yo ho. Enough sea dragon for me. For me. Ooh, wow! That's great. I got all excited when I saw the word dodge in there. oh good job samuel gimes always not to be outdone all right well i'm gonna put on my uh my my spectra vision here so i can see this better are you ready for game on results with nick marota i am ready all right high score challenge with nick marota 
All right, welcome to another week of Game On Results. This week we played Sea Dragon with 20 people. Tim Halloran, 850. R. Alan Murphy, 1,580. Cocoman, 1,880. David Ladd, 2,870. Ken Reichard, 3,140. Cat Lord, 3,650. Jim Rye, 4,160. Joshua, 4,280. Frodo, 4,440. Mr. Dave, 6309, 4,650. Canadian Retro Things with 5,020. Me with 5,150. OG Stevie Stroh with 5,530. Tom C with 6,070. Paul Shoemaker with 6,210. 8 Bits in the Basement, 6,630. David Croker, 12,500. L. Curtis Boyle, 21,510. Tasman, 23,070. And the number one player this week, you know him, you love him, Buck Owens, 30,960. Thank you for all the participants this week. Coco Talk salutes Buck Owens. All right. Well, there we have it, everybody. There were the Sea Dragon. 20 players this week. That's not bad. 20 players. Did you notice the enthusiasm with which I delivered? I did. I was going to say that. You definitely put some uh, some enthusiasm in that one. I can feel it. I appreciate that. <laughs> definitely upped his, up, his caffeine uptake. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> Welcome, Brett. All right, you guys see my screen? We do. We do. All right. So, yes, we had 20 people playing this week, which I thought was a great turnout. Um, so, again, here's the scores from back in the day, which seem reasonable this week, uh, given what we saw okay. uh, among ourselves. It, it is reasonable. I've, I've gotten close to those scores back in the day myself. But And the, the Rainbow Review, which you guys, uh, if you can, it's long, but if you guys read it, it's pretty funny because he, uh, he finds a few things wrong. Uh, he feels he doesn't like about the game. But they weren't really related to the game. They were more about other things like how you select the number of players and how the high score is displayed. And he admitted himself he didn't get far in the game. So the, uh, the company sent back a, sent a, a rebuttal in basically saying the guy didn't know how to play. He was obviously not a good candidate to review our game. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. So a uh, little, little controversy over the, uh, over the uh, review, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, so yeah, so, uh, this week we had, uh, this is, this is, uh, courtesy of Buck Owens. Um, is this, so yeah. Uh, so this is playing on this, a this fairly general, slow speed too, huh? Yeah. He's, actually, there's a level zero, it turns out. Oh, really? Yeah. There's eight speeds, zero to seven. Zero so being slow as seven means. This is general gameplay. Oh, okay. I'll show the ending a little bit later. Uh, or you want to see it now? Doesn't matter. Okay, so let's talk about share your sound if you're doing that, though. You need the full effect. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm not sure if you had the music on. Anyway. Pretty sure you did. Um, so, yeah, so, um, yeah, a good game. Another one that I think of when I think of the Coco, even though there was a version for the Model 3 or 1. Yeah, yeah. Model 1, 3, Atari 400, 800, Apple 2, Commodore 64, wow. all had versions of this one. Which, yes, which I was unaware of. Yeah. Um, and there is a modern uh, Sinclair Spectrum port. Yes. Ah. 
which is interesting. I mean, there was a Cocoa, somebody who really loved the Cocoa version and ported it. So kind of like what happened with the Downland level on um, Mario Maker. Yeah. There's Cocoa fans out there that are uh, bringing forth their memories onto, onto uh, other platforms, which is kind of cool. One interesting thing, though, is that all the different versions of Sea Dragon didn't play identically. Like, you know, the end boss, some of them actually have an end boss that looks like this snake thing. And and then others, you know, the, the mazes are done quite a bit differently where you're traversing, you know, diagonally up and down as the it's screen scrolls. It's almost as if the people that ported the game didn't have access to the original source code. Or hadn't even played the original game almost, some of the reports I saw. Yep. Yeah, and so, yeah, there were a lot of comments in there saying, gosh, I wish I knew about the air thing. That white bar is his oxygen meter, and that's one thing that you have to also try to um, keep Yeah, they full. could have put a label on it. Yeah. Is it really laggy for you guys? It's streaming off Twitch. I should probably... Uh, it doesn't matter. It's fine. I have the ending lo- also saved locally because it's what I'm to stream. It's fine. Anyway. But yeah, yeah, a lot of people said a few people said that I didn't know there was an error thing either until yeah. when I played the game as a kid. Either I forgot or I don't know, but I <laughs> I didn't know there was an error. I didn't know that was error either. I didn't know what I didn't. I guess I kind of ignored it. Right, and this now, another thing not well known is that you can fire up with the enter key, which isn't too useful in in most places, but a couple of places it gets useful. You think that's air you're breathing? oh no we're in the matrix okay dumb question submarines don't really have to do that do they submarines generate their own oxygen don't have to go up every so often right yeah yeah Yeah, no no no. what everybody does is they hold their breath and then when when, and then when they need to they resurface everybody takes in another deep breath and they go back underwater again yeah it's just like diving (laughs) that's right you don't want to go too fast otherwise you get the bends right right yeah. I like Canadian retro things comment in the chat. He says, I never lasted long enough to worry about air. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just naturally floated up to the top whenever I saw the, the water. I didn't really think about it. I just like, oh, I'll float up to the water. Hmm. Without, so. No, it's a well done game. The, the guy that wrote it, um, he went under the name Kanai. I saw it was Jim Hurd. He uh, actually ended up being a article writer for PC Magazine back in the 90s. Hmm. And uh, I actually contacted him. Uh, there and he mentioned you know he did the game for Adventure International and uh, he also gave us permission to have it you know freely available for download too. So, wow, he's t- it's taking a long time to break through that shield there. Huh? I do have another yeah. version where he's faster. No, that's fine. We're, this is neat. Most people probably didn't get this far or last this long. I know I made it to the boss once or twice and then I just kind of died. I, I did notice that you could kind of lead the shots of where they were going to shoot to because they. They fire to where you were, so you stay in one spot, you lead their shots there, then you just kind of move out of the way, and you can kind of you know, go around yeah. in a circle and just manipulate them. But yeah. um, it's easy to say when you're watching it like this, but when you're playing the game and you're running on adrenaline and just trying to kill the son of a bitch, it's hard to remember that. So um, You can't shoot the turrets? No, not, think, no, no, not these ones, no. No, oh. no. The other thing is, too, is that uh, when, when you do break through and, and kill the final boss here, um, if you have the music turned off, it just shakes the screen and blows up a hole, and then you start back at the beginning. If you have the music turned on, you go get a, you get a whole winning interlude. It's exploding right now, right? Did I just yeah. see it? Yeah. Unfortunately, you're not going to be able to hear the music at this Yeah, that's okay. It's so glory, it's, glory, hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah, so the... Um, the thing starts to pulsate, the screen is shaking, and then it blows up, and that's playing the glory, glory, hallelujah. Yeah, that that part is rewarding to hear the music after all that 
fighting and surviving you did to get to that part. But the Popeye the Sailor song gets to be monotonous really quickly when you start dying multiple times. <laughs> so, Thankfully, they only play a few bars of that when you die. Yeah, so. yeah. It'd be nice if you could turn off the music, the death music, but you could still have the victory music, you know, because that's, it should what, have that's been worth. separate. Yeah, they should, have, they should have continued. They should have considered the victory music as separate. From yeah, no, that's fine. It's that's this. Okay. This is a well-made. It's very that, fast. Very fast game. Yeah, especially if on level seven. If you think that music's annoying, try listening to the music they put on the uh, Spectrum version. Oh yeah. Oh, chip tune hell. Okay. <laughs> well, Spectrum music in general. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you guys think for controller? So we had keyboard, joystick. I know Curtis liked the keyboard for the... Uh... If it's a Coco 1 layout keyboard, the arrow keys on the left and right sides of the keyboard instead of all jammed together in a diamond, then yes, the keyboard works better for me. <clears throat> and did you find yourself using the shooting up uh, button? Very, much? very rarely. <clears throat> so it wasn't because of that. It was just you preferred the... Control well, normally, you, like like you use it like one boat on the beginning of the second checkpoint or your first checkpoint, I guess <clears throat> you can shoot up to kill that boat if you didn't shoot it, you know, going up top towards that area. And some of these things where you get stuff coming, like the stalactites coming at you, you can actually shoot those by shooting up too. If you, mm. if you know you what I thought was to... interesting was that what we now commonly refer to as a checkpoint. The one of those magazine articles referred to that as a plateau. It's like, oh, this game features a few plateaus, but they don't tell you about it. But if you reach a certain point and you die, you can start off on that plateau. I had not heard that concept referred to as a plateau in a game uh, before because now our, our common nomenclature for that is just checkpoint. You know, you reach a yeah. checkpoint yeah. and you move on. But that was interesting how they came up with, you know, they, they used a word that seemed to work for the time before there was a whole vernacular around that, you know. And then another yeah. uh, thing, the Coco version had, not all versions had, though I th a few did. I think the Apple II did. I'm not sure which one of the ones had it. But there was actually had some digitized speech during the intro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this game had all the stuff that I would consider fan service. Like if you wanted, if you had a friend come over after school and you wanted to impress them, this would be one of the games you would put in because it talked, it played music, hey, it had sound hey. effects. You know, it was, Does the Coco version say checkpoint reached? No, no. The, uh, only, the Apple version does. Oh, it does? Okay. Yeah. Um, the only speech I'm aware of is the welcome aboard, Captain, at the... Uh... Does it need a uh, speech pack to do it, or is it... No, it's it's, it's uh, digitized using the deck. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and, and the other nice thing, too, is on that title screen when he's playing the music, he's kind of tapping his foot and playing the accordion, like, in tune to, you know, in sequence to the notes as they're playing. So it's a nice little kind of sequenced animation to that and i think that's what the reviewer was complaining about because as you guys know when the coco is playing four voices it it that kills the cpu so when you're trying to press a key you have to wait for the duration it's like kind of like the play command you can't do anything until the note's done mm -hmm. right so um, trying to start the game while the music is playing you do have to hold the key down hold the yeah. key down for a second i i never found that to be a problem to complain about but it is it's it's noteworthy but i don't think that should be on a, on a list of gripes about it that, that guy just and we've seen other grapes. games that have that same issue yeah yeah or you know if your score goes on the score high uh, score list and, and it exits before you can see it i think that was a problem yeah. with this game that yeah but yeah the, the only real gripe i think i have is the um He's obviously using page flipping to smooth the animation somewhat, mm -hmm. but he hasn't tied it to V-Sync, so you get that little flickering every once in a while. Um, that's about the only complaint I had, and I think it's just because he didn't know that V-Sync would fix that, to fix that problem. 
Like on level seven, I mean, Again, I watching the scrolling here on right. level zero isn't that impressive. It looks like it's pretty slow, you know, honestly. Mm-hmm. But on level seven, it's zipping by almost like a Crystal City style. Yeah. Like it's just motoring. Go ahead, Nick. Oh, I say I was gonna say again. I apologize for any jitter and lag. It's, I'm streaming this off Twitch, um, so no, it's fine. It's it's good. It's a good background thing to have. Um, any tips and tricks? Anyone that he's getting ready to blow it up again? There's the second uh, gyration of it. Yeah, I think you get five thousand points for blowing up the reactor, so you can tell if you broke ten thousand, you you blew it up at least once. Um, the inner key is one little tip. Like if you get stuck with a slack like coming down, you were trying to like go forward to lead them to fall early. But you missed, or you over, you know, drove where you were driving to. You you have that last option to hit the enter key and try to shoot it out. Um, on the reactor screen here, my tip is basically do a circular pattern, like Stevie said. They fire to where you are at the time they fire. So if you keep moving and in a fairly wide circular motion going around the screen, then they almost never hit you. Type thing. Just sometimes you have to adjust a little bit, but uh, that makes it a lot easier to get through the reactor. I can pretty well do it like eight times out of ten now if I get to the reactor. Hmm. The other thing is, too, is to figure out, um, on, on especially on the third, after the, the last checkpoint there, you've got some really tight corners, so you have to go forward on the screen to give yourself enough lead time so that you can to pull back pull as back, you're going yeah. over mountains and stuff. Uh, the lasers, the last set of three, most of the time the first two are going at the same time, so you can just jump past both of them, and then you have the third the third one you have to you know, pause for a second and then go past it. Once in a while, those first two lasers will go out of sync, and then you have to actually pause between those. Otherwise, you'll get blown up on the second one because they don't flash on and off at the exact same time. I used to have that timing down a lot better in the old days, but I kind of forgot about it this time. Yeah, good times. Good times. Fun game. Good game. Good turnout, right? 20 20 participants is pretty good, right? That's that's above average. Yeah. So did anybody besides me play with keyboard? Did everybody else use self-centering joysticks? Just out of curiosity. I haven't heard of anybody else used keyboard. I, I used the deluxe. I, I tried free centering at first, and then I was like, no, nah, I kind of need the self-centering. Um, I used I'd, my 8-bit go myself. Yeah, I was going to say, say gamepad works well. Yeah, self-centered. This does not. This does not use any of the analog movements, though, right? So if you wanted to use nope. a digital, you could. Yeah. yeah. Steve, okay. Yeah, so uh, well. that's what Buck Owens is saying. He used the Atari-style stick with a Boisson adapter. Okay. That would probably be the best. Yeah. Yeah. You still have to use the enter key to shoot up, though, right? Yeah. Yep. Unfortunately, yeah. If you did something in Mame, you might be able to map a second fire button to do that. You know. Yep. Uh, second fire button. Sounds like something needs a patch. Well, the second fire button apparently does shoot up, but then pauses the game. Oh, yeah. So that must have been an unintentional because no, the, yeah, I there was think... no two button joysticks when this was written. Exactly. <laughs> so for so it's just a just a fluke. Yeah, and, yeah. and this this stage I was mentioning like how different it is on different platforms, like where that little star reactor thing is. I mean, on some it has this giant sneak sea snake like the Apple II version. Other ones have two scrolling bars that you have to shoot through going in opposite directions. Oh, that's versions. evil. Um, so, yeah, the, the the variety of gameplay on this one for what was essentially a port to other machines, every single machine had unique things to it and sometimes violently different and from not the other even, platforms. And not the, none of them, the submarine was the same. They were all different. Yeah. So it's kind of like the RS-232 standard. There are many. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one, one thing of note, too, the Atari 400-800 version, which, I mean, had hardware sprites and everything else, and I think one or two other versions, too, um, they tried to simulate more actually playing a real submarine game so that you're moving dogs so, so throughout the entire game because it's doing that, you know, that sonar sound in the background, and it's just slowly crawling across the screen. Mm. So it's simulating a, a real sub speed. of the background. But it, yeah, you're moving slower. The, the, yeah. the, there a was, lot slower. There, there were none of the eight bits did parallaxing, did they? I don't, not that I'm aware of, right? So it would have no. been a single, single background, single background and foreground. I think some of them had tiles, so that, that you could probably do some scrolling that way a bit easier. But well, you had uh, programmable character sets, hmm. which is what I think might be used on the uh, Atari and uh, Commodore. But it's a very impressive game. Because yeah. then, because then you just need to scroll um, the characters that are duplicated, you know, everywhere, and it scrolls everything. Yeah, and the Apple II, because it didn't have much CPU power to to pull this game off. Actually, like the 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 ground instead of being solid was just these little squares showing where the mm-hmm. ground level would be. So you just get these little ripply squares going across. It, I, it doesn't I did look like it. I did like their submarine though. the The rear end of the sub is. Um, it's not a conventional propeller, but it's like a spinning, the little veins, kind of like a Nautilus-looking hmm. submarine. Have to look yeah, it had little up. fins on the back um, going up and down, too, didn't it, I think? Can't remember I can't that. remember, but it's his little it flag looked cool. Up. Yeah, the flag, you know, the underwater flag that's so common in submarines. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I mean, the they just faked that like the moon landing flag, right? So. <laughs> Raise the flag! Raise the flag. Wait till the non-national flags. There's no. Uh... Yeah. yeah, Steve's commenting the vid's really choppy on his end too. So yeah, yeah. seeing the same. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. It's okay. It's 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 providing background stuff for us while we for talk other, about it. So. Um, I try to download videos when I can and play them locally. This I couldn't do that with this. Yeah, Twitch Twitch is not very good for restreaming. I found from watching various people yeah. trying to do it. So. David, were you going to say something? Yeah. Yes. Um, so I did verify if you're using a joystick and pressing button one. Um, it does fire the upward missiles. So, it does a pause too. Though, but on on a real hardware, it pauses. Um, no, I'm not talking about the second button. I'm talking button one. The first button. Right, the primary button. It fires both. Mm, no, it, it doesn't. Doesn't do that no. in the game. <laughs> really? No. Um. Okay. Well, you, then. Have you mapped both the, buttons? Maybe or. Nope. And that, maybe you have a different version. In other words, a few different versions floating around. The version that I have is uh, the first button. The 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 main the primary button only fires forward, and the secondary button would shoot up. But then the game paused on real hardware using a two button deluxe. But I I remember reading about there being different versions. As a matter of fact, some of those articles were saying that there was uh, an advanced version of this or an expert mode or something like that. Where That's you, what the Rainbow Review said. Yeah, but. yeah. So I don't know about that. That, that is on some other versions that are not Coco. Hmm. So I don't know. That that guy, I, he didn't really know what he was talking about. Okay. No. I have to agree with the guy that uh, wrote back from Adventure. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a guy who sucks at the game is not qualified to uh, review it. It's basically what they were saying yeah um, and this game was reviewed in the other magazines too i think i'd posted some links yeah yeah uh, no that, yeah there was there was a hand, yeah there was a handful of magazine links posted in uh discord this week and i actually 
I found not only did I enjoy reading those articles, but then I kind of got caught up in reading the old magazine. Too. I was <laughs> like, oh, wow, man, this is a blast from the past, you know. So um, especially the Color Computer magazine, I, that one was a pretty well uh, laid out publication, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, we sometimes forget, like, in, in, in early 83, there was no less than five major Cocoa magazines going simultaneously just yeah. in North America. I don't know when the ones in Australia started up. Yeah, that is and pretty. Plus Dragon and everything else in, in Europe. So it's uh, it was a pretty popular machine back then. Hmm. All right, well, have we beat the Sea Dragon discussion to death? Do we want to reveal next um, week's game, Nick, or is there more we need to chime in? Sorry, uh, James, were you going to say something? Yeah, um, if uh, anybody wants to see the coolest animations and stuff, take a look at the Spectrum version because they added bubbles when you fire torpedoes. Oh, and neat. Spinning propeller and stuff. There, there's a couple videos up on YouTube. Okay. okay. And that was, you said that was an unofficial late port that wasn't part of the Adventure International uh, releases, right? Yeah, it was like 2010 or something. That oh, okay. Someone came up with a new... And this one started on the Tier City Model 1.3. I should mention that. That was yeah. the first platform to get yep. it. Yep. Yep. And Nick, Nick Morandis, you've played it, and you said you liked it back in the day on the Model 1, right? It was one of my favorite games on the Model 1. Neat. It plays pretty well. Coco 3 up. Yeah, I don't know what it's doing now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. All right. So are uh, we ready to hear about next week's game? I am ready for the big reveal, Nick. So next week's game is a Coco 3 game, uh -oh. and it's a port. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. I think you guys will recognize it. I hate when that menu comes down. Hold on. Maybe. <gasps> Arkanoid. Arkanoid. Dun, 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 so it is a Coco 3 game, but it's also got a Coco 2 mode. Yeah. So uh, I suggest playing the Coco 3 version if you can, because it's it's arcade, uh, very very close, if not perfect. But there is a Coco 2 version as well in the, on the uh, and it has the same level. So I think you could play either if you only have a Coco 2 and you want to play yes. it on real hardware. <laughs> Davey, Davey Mitchell says. Surprised we got through that without herring any fish puns. Herring being the fish. All right. No. So. <laughs> Do you have a grown thing on your soundboard? <laughs> oh, that was good, Davey. Yeah, so this was, a, this was one of those uh, dual cartridges that would work on a Coco 2 or 3. Kind of like the same thing with the um, Tetris. Tetris. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. This is our game starting uh, starting today. And starting on round one, I presume? We're not yeah. skipping rounds yet. Yeah, start on, start on round one. Um, even though for some of you it might be easy, Curtis, but uh, we'll start on round one. No, anyway. Arcanite was never really my bag. I'm not that great at it. So. Oh, okay. This so, one, I, I have found that this game um, seems to play best on real hardware with a extremely analog stick. Like I've tried playing this yeah, one on, on, uh, on emulators and, you know, trying to use like an Xbox style controller. It just doesn't seem to fluidly match, you know, co you know, location for location. You always like kind of jump skip a few spots using yeah. any other controller, but like the black beauty. Um, so this one would lend itself to real hardware and the black beauty quite well. Yeah. And the deluxe on free float, obviously. Yeah. 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 All right, guys. Uh, thanks again for another fun week, and I look forward to seeing what you uh, 
what you guys do with this game this week. And thank you for another great game on segment. Uh, and speaking of games, now Brett Gordon has joined us. Brett, do you copy? Uh, looks like you're on mute. Hi, Coco Talk. How are you? Good, Brett. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. And um, I, I just realized you were even posting this when Curtis mentioned it, but you've been showing off some stuff in Discord. You working on something? Yeah, I just been dabbling with a new game idea. Uh, multiplayer. Okay. Multiplayer even. Ooh. And this is multiplayer over the net, not just locally on the machine, right? Correct. Yeah. And none of that actually is working yet. I'm just at the stage of trying out different ideas. It'll all work, you know, and it'll, you know, just slowly treading into the realm of doing graphics. And cool. cool. So I'm thinking like maybe something like Ultima, if you're familiar with the old Apple II game. Um, a little bit of Minecraft type of situation going on. I really haven't developed the game. Player. Okay. Yeah, I saw some of the yeah. pictures. Are you able to share anything on your end, or do we need to maybe show something off for you? Because um, I can bring Discord over here to the screen where everybody could see it. If you want me to show some of the things you posted there. Yeah, maybe just the latest posting would be great. It's about as far. It's about as much as I have to show anybody. Yeah, because he's got an actual video loop kind of showing. Okay, the, so this is in, um, okay, right here. Is this it here? Now, can I make this any bigger? Oh, look at this. You got a guy moving around with a sword, and it's kind of scrolling in four different directions. Isometric looking. It is isometric. And um, we got it sand. It's very uh, populous or uh, warmonger. If you have anyone seen those on the... Uh Amiga uh, or Atari ST. And that looks really good, Brett. It's very smooth. Yeah, so far the graphics are turning out pretty easy, and they look like they're going to be smooth enough. It's not going to be the fastest gameplay. It, you know, there's a lot of overhead in doing the networking and stuff like that. And what is this going to run under? Is this going to run under like Deck B, or does this need to be in uh, Nitrous Nine, or it's going to be in Fuzix, or? Uh, this is just basic. Okay. Um, you know, it needs basic to do its uh you know for the disc okay and it's boot up environment it's basic but it, it's kind of almost like its own operating system really okay but, uh you know how many players you're going to allow at once or is that planned yet um we'll see what the server can handle um you know a lot of that depends on how much resources i can squeeze into a a virtual machine server now, the server server on the back end is not going to be a Coco, right? It's going to be a real no, computer? No, it's just going to be a generic something like a Linux box. Okay. Or a virtual machine, you know, something cheap and easy to rent. Yep, yep. Um, none of that stuff's really working, although it does, um, it boots from the network. So it, it's like I'll distribute the program. It'll just be a small, like, one-disc image. Um, the kernel is, like, 1K or something like that, or maybe a maybe 2K. Um, it loads up, it makes a TCP connection to the, um, to a server and it downloads the actual game code right to the Coco. So oh, wow. When you log on, you'll have a brand new version of the game every time. So when oh, wow. Device, it'll be kind of live changes. And, uh, this week I've been, I worked on that and got that banged out. Um, 
That's about all the server actually does is just download the game code. Okay. And what you're seeing on the screenshot there is nothing more than just the primordial graphics work, um, the ISO tiles. Uh, are you sure the gameplay is going to be somewhat reasonably fast or you know like acceptable? Right. Well, a game like this doesn't have to be 60 frames per second when you're just chugging along exploring landscape. No, yeah. No, I think it's already dipped to 30. Um, is this using hardware scrolling, or are you just replotting the whole screen every frame? Just replotting as fast as I can at this point. Wow, that's I'm impressive. Not really fancy um, until I need to, or I want to, or um, just slowly implementing little features. Um, like this afternoon, I'm probably going to work on the game map uh, to try to get the game map loading from the server. So the, the world can be very, very big. If you be, yeah, because you're not having to store things in RAM or on disk. Yeah, yeah, it'll it'll be a five twelve k game because there's still going to be plenty of resources downloaded. Sure. Um, the beauty of having a server is you'll have a, you know, the server will be able to push dynamic graphics to the Coco. You know, when you change worlds or move to a different section or yeah, hole or go through the time warp or go to the space station, whatever the game actually ends up actually being, I think I can put a pretty big size map. Uh, on the server, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to interact together. Uh, multiplayer, lots of multiplayers, hopefully. Massive multiplayer online. This is a Coco MMO game. It, it, hopefully it will be, yeah. We'll see how it goes. Um, there's some programming challenges, mostly on the server side. Um, that's going to be interesting for me, so it's kind of a programming challenge. Neat. Um, the graphics are not going to be really spectacular unless somebody wants to make me a bunch of graphics. There's a few people in the community that can help with that for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I've often I actually thought of like like letting you guys make the graphics in the game itself, you know, give you an area of the world that's yours and you put whatever graphics you want in there and put your castle up and or your That's farm. not a bad idea. Yeah, you know, whatever, you know, I don't have a game yet. It's just basically working on graphics, working on server. Yeah. Uh, so for you, your your internet connection, does this require driveware or does it work over one of the wireless modems or what? Uh, it'll it works over DriveWire. Um, right now, I'm strictly using it on an emulator. Um, my Coco's packing up. I'm actually going to be moving here in a couple of weeks, so I won't really have the, the gumption to pull out everything to do it. But um, it should work on most of the DriveWire things, um, which I think includes some of the wireless things. Neat. Oh, in the live chat, uh, Mark B is reminding us that uh, Nick Morentes is really good at, at doing trash cans. So if you need any trash cans in this game, he can make one of those for you. So. <laughs> make sure we throw it's a trash can OS- somewhere. It's the OS9 ones. <laughs> yeah, it looks really good. Definitely looking up. You know, I'm definitely looking for help as far as uh, you know gameplay suggestions. Um, I, I'm not really a game player. Um, I think the last strategy game I played was Doom back on the PC back when I was in college. So wow. maybe a little bit of Minecraft here and there. But other than that, I don't have a lot of experience with these kind of games. I'll be happy to be a beta tester. But I definitely have, uh, you know, uh, beta testing and uh, just general ideas uh, for a game. You know, like what kind of, you want this to be a space game, RPG, or a sandbox game. That You know, a lot of that should be pretty well doable. So combination of both. Yeah, I like the RPG. This this has kind of got like a Legends of Zelda vibe to it, you know. So it's yeah, um, yeah. yeah that's uh, you know. I just said, well, I'll just do a little king, and I'll be like instead of Lord British, I'll be Lord Irish. <laughs> nice. 
So. Yeah, Lord Irish, she'll be carrying a stein of beer or something. <laughs> <laughs> Find a Guinness. <laughs> Looks really, really good, Brett. Quite yeah, impressive. Just like yeah. trying to get a tie, you know, like, okay, I got to put tiles, so I got to make a little tiles, you know, it, it's... You know, the graphics are, yeah, you know, it's not my favorite thing to do in the world. Um, well, you're oh, I think we could get, like, Paul Thayer, um, maybe Erico. Uh, Ron DeVille, do you, do you sm- do smaller graphics design like this? I know you do a lot of, the, like, the full screen stuff. Ron's still there. Mm-hmm. Looks good. Looks really good. Well, whatever I can do to help Brett, other than programming it, if you need testing, if you need financial assistance for server stuff, you need input, count me in. This is exciting. I like this. Well, good. Uh, definitely been like, well, moral support because these games are huge. And yeah. It'll be many, many months of uh, messing around with uh, gameplay and debugging and stuff like that, but probably just people playing it. Yeah, yeah, and if you have any tools like map editors and stuff like that, I'd be happy to help you out with that, to help you generate some of the landscape and stuff. Because the server can just download all that stuff as you need it to your Coco, so, you know, the map, I'm thinking of putting a map editor right in the game, so if you got the game, you can edit the world that you exist in, so um, just to make it available to other people to help. You know, if you want to create your own uh, sprite for your own avatar or whatever, you can maybe do that. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Again, it's this has only been like a couple of days worth of work of me messing around with. Really things. impressive. And, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to this. This might actually get my off my ass and actually get DriveWire hooked up at some point. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if it's there. Mikey's DriveWire server works really, really nice. Um, that's what I'm using. It's, I think the only thing you really can use nowadays. Um, yeah, in my case, it's just because my Coco's in a totally separate area of the house, and I don't have any hard wiring to there, and I haven't got a wireless modem yet, so um, that's the reason I haven't done it. Um, I know Bill's been fiddling with it on the development side, as has Steve and Nick and a few others, too, but uh, this this actually will give me some incentive to get it going, because this, this looks awesome. Yeah, it does. It does. Well, I think we need a multiplayer game. Absolutely. Oh, speaking of which, um, I know we had talked about this a while ago, and I don't know if they got put on the back burner, but the global thermal nuclear war thing, is that something we could possibly get a group going on in the near future, or is that maybe on hold because of this? That'll be on hold because of this. Okay, and worthwhile, of course. I did put some hours of uh, debugging and playing uh, with a couple testers, and yeah, it's just... um, it's such a mess. Um, when okay. I did that, it was a retro challenge. I had 30 days. I crammed code in there any way I could. And it, it, it's sort of an unintelligible mess, so it's kind of hard to go back on. Uh, I'm, I'm working on my own code situation. <laughs> Your own right unintelligible now, so, yeah, mess. I'm working on my own unintelligible <laughs> mess, so I can definitely relate to that. And that's cool. Well, well that... I kind of said, well, no, let me start it over and do it the right way. And, you know. The, the first network game was fun, but... Yeah, yeah. Well, honestly, you probably are the first, and this will be the second, but you're, you're the first and the second multiplayer games on the Coco in a history of history have been because of you. That's... Well, yeah. this will be... Um, this will actually work. <laughs> yeah. No, that's... The, uh, the only other massive multiplayer games I know of on the Coco, there were some BBS games, but that was take your turn. You'd log in, do your... 20 moves you're allowed then you 
log off and then the other people would play and then 24 hours later you'd come back in and make yeah like instead of like moves, real time there. real not, time multiplayer real time. yeah well p51 p51 technically yeah. was the first i guess some checkers and check yeah. you know othello type games but that's okay it. um no that is really cool brett that's it. i mean literally it's not very much i get excited for and uh, I'm excited for that. I, I feel like David Ladd right now. Oh, my God. I am so <laughs> excited right now. <laughs> oh, yes, Jimmy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've got David Ladd level enthusiasm for this project. So that's cool. And I can use help in, like, giving me ideas. Like, Yeah, know, absolutely. Count me in. Count, I'm, and I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm typically pretty flaky. Um, but with something like this, I will completely commit to not being a flake to being whatever I could do to help you out. This is really cool. Well, good. I'm excited. Yes. Yeah. Feel free to come on anytime you figure you have a, an update that's worthwhile talking about or presenting and we'll, we'll get yep. you on for that. Yep. 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 Keep the enthusiasm going. Well, let's try to get some, you know, artwork volunteers. Uh, Ron Delvo, I don't know if you heard me earlier there, but do you do small style graphics that, uh, you like, know, for this type of thing? I don't know that I, I would do that stuff, but uh, I know you do a lot of full screen graphic stuff like color. Yeah. Speed, so yeah. I don't know if you did the small stuff. I know Paul Shoemaker does some of this kind of thing. And Eric, obviously is a Paul, genius. Paul at Thayer too. Paul Thayer. Yeah. yeah. Um, very cool, Brett. Really exciting stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I'd be, I'm more than happy to help just test the client and the multiplayer piece and give you ideas and feedback and all that kind of stuff. This would be a cool community project because everybody can kind of yeah. chip in and brainstorm on the evolution of what the game is going to be and how it's going to be. It's it's kind of that double-edged sword, right? Because this you could really become a committee of a feature creep committee very quickly. But when you're starting with nothing but uh, a concept, you kind of need you need a pool of of suggestions, and then you start to fine tune that, and eventually you you know it'll be something. But no, that's really cool. Well, it's playing it by yourself won't be any fun. So it's yeah, yeah, and 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 honestly, part of it too is that when it comes to helping, just even moral support. You know, if if you have people just giving you the moral support and to keep you feel like you're not wasting your time, I think there'll be enough of this to help in that area too. You know? by, by moral support, we mean a, a, a case of beer at Coco. Yeah, Fest whatever it is, so. man. <laughs> the beer of the week club will sign you up for that, so you get a new case of beer every week. So. <laughs> So don't drink too much, then you'll start getting sloppy in your coating. So. <laughs> does does Patreon have a case of beer option? <laughs> right, we'll work for beer. Um, that's cool, Brett. That is super cool. Um, anything else you wanted to say on that, or is this kind of that's that's what we got? And stay tuned. That is all we got right now. Oh, well, that is that is super cool visually, visually, conceptually, and, and potential wise. This is probably the biggest thing to ever happen to the cocoa, so that's cool. Well, I think the uh, multiplayer will be more interesting. Uh, the isopiles are actually kind of easy; they're not really as tricky as they seem. Uh, they're just diagonal tiles. <laughs> okay. Okay. But yeah, we'll uh, just give me ideas. Give me ideas if someone wants to do graphics, uh, gameplay ideas. Like yeah, yeah. A uh, quick question for you, Brett. Uh, do you plan on releasing the engine for this afterwards so that if somebody else wants to tackle a project two years down the road using this same networking infrastructure you're laying out, that they can they can do their own project with it later on? Not that I'm planning on doing that myself, but just in case somebody's interested. It will absolutely be open source. Everything I do is open source. Okay, cool. Absolutely. Very, very cool. 
All right. Well, we were in the middle of Game On, and that's a game, and that definitely feeds into Game On. Uh, we have Game On News and News News, but before we do all that, do we want to maybe take a commercial break before we come back to Game On News and News News? Or I did do anyway. I want a quick check with Rick Adams because I think you came on because you might have something to show on a game too. Is that did I read that right? Or is he away from the keyboard at the moment? Uh, actually, uh, what I said was I got nothing. I said oh, okay. I didn't. Have, <laughs> at first, I said, "Well, I don't have much to say," and then later, I clarified that too. Actually, when I say I don't Not have much. much to say, what I mean is I I don't have nothing. So uh, yeah. Okay, I thought you mentioned OmniStar or something, or is that what you're planning? He's, on you're working on. Well, I'm working on that today. But I don't have much to say about yeah, it other yeah, than okay. I'm working on it. Well, so so I'm going to throw this out there for maybe we can talk about after the news. But when it like when it comes to working on projects, and I am the worst at this, is um, motivation, enthusiasm, all those kind of things. I I run out real quick. I run out of steam real quick. So maybe as a discussion, since we have real people here who work on real projects and actually complete projects, unlike myself, uh, maybe we can have a discussion on what does it take to stay, to keep that discipline going and and not abandon things indefinitely, as I have many times. So that might be worth chewing on. That's um, what I use. Yeah. Uh, all right, so do we want to take a commercial break and then come back with Game On News and News News? Is sure. that Does that work for you? All right, so we're going to, since we're talking about games, we're going to do the commercial break that talks about Radio Shack TV games, and we'll be back after these words, everybody. And now, these messages. It's a Radio Shack Merry Christmas. This year, I needed to give a real family pleaser. Honey, please help me with this budget. How about a new game, Dad? Please. And I found it. Radio Shack's Color Computer 2. On sale for just $99.95. It entertains, educates, manages. It's expandable and affordable. Now that really pleases me. The Color Computer 2. Sale price for Christmas. Only at Radio Shack. Hi, I'm Kieran Unscombe, author of XRAW. And your brain is resolving sensory input into Cocoa Talk. At GSoft, we make games for the TRS-80 Color Computer... TRS-80, MC-10, and Dragon computers. Our basic games cover the range of genres from arcade, to text adventures, to simulations, to 3D dungeon crawls. This is our latest puzzle game from Japan, Fruit Panic. So come on and drop by our website and download our latest games. Tired of switching your joystick between the left and right port? Want to change between different controllers? Well, Joey has got you covered. The Joey Controller Switch. Take control of your controllers with the flip of two switches. Order today at cocoman.biz. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. Legend says, when the moon is full, if you go out in the country by the lake and whisper the name of Nick Marota three times, his spirit will appear and he will grant you a product idea. 
Radio Shack has a great gift idea for the whole family. Fast action TV games. And they're on sale. Get this six-game model for $29.95 or the four-game model for $21.95. With rising entertainment costs, that's a real bargain. You play hockey, tennis, squash, and more. Easy to hook up and great family fun that lasts all year long. The sale price TV games. Only at Radio Shack. A Tandy Company. Hi, I'm Terry Steen, author of Balloon Fire and other amazing games on the color computer. And you're listening to Stevie Stroh on Coco Talk. And we are back with more Game On discussions. We now have some game-related news that L. Curtis Boyle is going to be uh, sharing with us. Okie dokie. We should call this episode Game On, the Game Oniest. The Game Oniest. <laughs> <laughs> the Gamest, it's the Gamest Oniest. Hey, is my Sharon working, folks? Your Sharon is working. Hey, okay. so this is uh, Chet Simpson describing himself being bored. They mm. <laughs> converted art from Ghouls and Ghosts on the Capcom CPS 1, and of course, that's a port of an arcade game to the Cocoa 3 color space with color reduction and alternative version with gray as the primary color over the bluish tinge. Unfortunately, the thing doesn't zoom up any bigger than this, so that's kind of what you're stuck with looking at. But you can see on the top view here, he's got uh, the original graphics from the arcade game, which is using all 16 colors just in the character. Then he converted it down to the Cocoa 3, you know, close palette where he's using 14, and then he actually reduces it down to only using eight colors, which leaves you more room for your other sprites and, for and background, background colors, yeah. different colors, so... It looks pretty good, actually. It looks so really good. Pretty interesting. Yeah. The boy's a genius. What can you say? He'll go far. He'll go far. <laughs> He'll go far. Uh, next up, Richard Kelly uploaded version 2.01 of Artillery, which is basically a minor update, but it fixes some bugs on the Coco 3 in specific. Um, he was actually crashing because he didn't realize that uh, when you start using eight screen commands, it actually fries some of the contents of P mode screens, and it was kind of doing both and it was causing crashes so and he's got some pictures here like the title screen and then the actual gameplay screen mm, looks good this is the whole like the bananas game where you throw in the bananas and the, uh, the artillery after you like your angle and trajectory and it kind of goes up and then arcs and then comes down yeah again. it's actually loosely based on brett gordon's uh, multiplayer game from uh, coco fest there if you yeah right <laughs> brett's been an inspiration to people for years so uh, <laughs> Neat. Yeah. You know, Rick, Rick oh, sorry. Retro Rick is how he refers to himself. He's done so many things, and I feel like such a slouch. I haven't looked at any of his things. I know he posts things in there, and we mentioned, yeah, he's got this new thing. One of these days, we got to sit down and, like, pick a uh, pick a contributor and just go through their catalog, you know, because Rick's been doing a lot of yeah, stuff. And have them on as a guest at the same yeah, time. Yeah, and I have. I have reached out to him saying, you know, listen, I'd love to have you come on firsthand, and I don't know if it's a Saturday thing or whatever, but... Um, yeah, we kind of got to do a little bit better job than just showing the screenshot, but actually checking out the software and yeah, it's just that whole time thing. Yeah, that'd right? be so, good, like have a like a, a developer spotlight or yeah, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. kind of go through back catalog, new stuff they're working on, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. playthroughs, etc. Jason the Coco Man. Yeah, this this was an interesting one for me. Um, this is a Ghost Gobbler. You know, by Spectral Associates, which a lot of us have seen. It's one of the earlier Pac-Man games, but it's on a cartridge. 
I didn't know. Spectrum oh, is that what that is? I saw the label, and for for whatever reason, I thought that was some weird cassette because that's kind of a cassette-looking label with that little. Yeah, you can see the drawing where the like little. They just used a cassette label. Oh, know. I saw the picture, and I'm like, man, that's the strangest cassette I've ever seen. I didn't realize <laughs> that that was a cartridge. There, there's a, this from the bottom. So I did at, not know that Spectral made. I mean, they made some specialized cartridges. They okay. had a 64K RAM expansion. Okay. They sold in cartridge form that didn't require you to modify your old Cocoa 1 or 2. You would just plug in the cartridge port and you got 64K. But that's the only thing I knew of that. And they those did are nice. Hardware. Looks like gold cartridges. teeth there. But is that yeah. an official cartridge or is that someone's transferred yeah. gobbler? Well, this is what. Because the cartridge looks like it's a homebrew job. This this label is the type of label that Spectral used back in the day. Yeah, it's well, a cassette, cassette label. Labels. Yeah, and just a straight up Frankenbox. But it's not an no... actual cassette label because it's, there's no punch out where the actual you yeah. can see the lines where it goes. Yeah, type thing, it so. looks it looks no like they had uh, uh, they they printed those out on a printer and uh, they just used a different label, but the same. The same thing file created, yeah. Yeah, yeah so same it doesn't file. look like a commercial package. So, well, could be. That, that label is well, exactly what a, a literal spectral commercial game looked like on cassette. Like, that's the label they used. That, they, they, didn't, didn't have, go, they didn't go high-end on labels. There, uh, I know there was a few companies advertised cartridges, but they may not have sold well enough for them to... Yeah, I mean, I, I, would, I would not be at all surprised if this was a period piece from then that that's how they released it and a plastic cartridge with that label um like not a homebrew or whatever yeah i mean exactly. we, we have seen one terry steggy i think is the one that he got the uh the microwork star blaster which was actually advertised as a cartridge game it's the asteroids clone because hmm. he actually does have one of the original cartridges there and, and i can't remember what the label looked like on that yeah, one well but, speaking I mean, of coco man he actually sh- bought some stuff that tandy released with dot matrix labels on cartridges so tandy had sold physical cartridges with a generic dot matrix printout label on it so it's not completely unheard of i think it's interesting the box is just custom enough that a company did it mm-hmm. but it's not so custom that uh, see it, it's just a box yeah with a notch cut in it yeah so, yeah. yeah, that's something you could afford to do if you were running 100, 200 or something. You could get boxes like that, but without the door and the thing in there. Yeah, all right, because that, that drives up the production cost with the spring load. just the right size, so you had it made. Yeah, yeah, that's neat. And I, I like the Does gold edge connectors. Does that have a short pin on it? A short pin? For the yeah, power? one of the, one of the pins is shorter. It. It doesn't look like it, not from we'll the, be on top, on the other side. Yeah, it would be on the side, wouldn't it? Okay. Neat. Yeah, but there's not even like a design for the you know the hinge door type no, thing with the spring. No. Interesting. It's not it's not a tandy cartridge, that's for sure. Yeah, that was interesting. I I'd never seen that before. So I'd be interested in the, it was an official one, which I'm guessing by this label here that it probably was, because that is the actual labels that right. I even have some Spectra games down here, the original tapes, and this is exactly what they look like. Sometimes they put a different color ribbon in, and that was the only difference. Um Tom Mix and others actually had custom labels made, you know, professionally. That's a Tom Mix software, the TM logo and stuff like that later on. But And they Spectra just kind of printed really the game title on that label, right? Yeah. Just still uh, dot matrix printed on that. Um Cool. Really cool. Interesting find. Yeah. 
Yeah, we were talking about Erico cool. earlier cool. with his genius of you doing you know small end graphics. So for designing you know shapes and and tiles etc. For Brett, I mean this is the type of stuff he can do with a simple eight color semi graphics mode, and he does an animation. Now this is based on the Pitman game that we showed from Jim Gary that he just done some updates last week. Mm-hmm. So he compiled like kind of did a, a mock-up with completely revamped graphics with like clouds of smoke effects and all kinds of stuff here so i'll just play the gifts so you can kind of see what it's doing climbing the ladder yeah super super animation on the guy and like when he when he hits the ground like a little puff of smoke comes up like you know yeah and the boulder gives that little bounce effect. yeah it goes into the ground yeah. a bit and then a puff of smoke i love too. that little puff of smoke effect yeah yeah that's really cool yeah, so I mean that that shows you some of the potential with with a semi graphic scheme could look like if you took the time to build yeah, yeah. shapes, etc. He's very talented as both an artist and an animator. Yeah, I'd love to see what he could do with the higher semi graphics modes, like a an eight to twelve or yeah. twenty four, you know, with with more vertical res. And I'm always jealous of people with talent. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. This is why I present the news. I don't make it. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Good job, Erico, as always, sir. Yeah. And here, this is one that he actually Jim Gary did two videos of. This is the second one because he did some minor updates, but it's a game called Tail Gunner, um, which is an original game. He's saying, I've seen, I mean, there's an game, arcade game called Tail Gunner 2, which I can't remember what the heck it looks like, so I don't know. If it was a vector-based space shooter. So you were you had, like, triggers, and you shot at polygon spaceships in space oh this is neat this is very uh cockpit ish looking yeah so you're you're flying around the plane that you're trying to shoot is kind of in the you know, middle that is very fast zone. too for semi graphics and very he, it, go ahead james yeah go ahead no i'm done i have nothing to say <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is very fast. I, I think Jim's been doing a lot less of the set reset graphics, which are quite slow. And he's doing the pre-built character string strings, so you can just blast, you know, two lines of semi graphics on very quickly. Mm-hmm. And there, you even saw the plane flying sideways. You can kind of see the yeah. side angle, and then you, otherwise, you're showing the the back end of it. Yep. I mean, he has these different missions, and he actually made it local. I mean, he lives in the Maritime, so Halifax. He's talking about it being part of the game title and some of the, the text between your different missions and there's so many missions you have to do to win the game and uh, of course he did it based on his local heritage so that was kind of interesting too yeah that's cool i mean it's 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 updating not only the moving ship but your little uh crosshair thing is constantly being updated on the screen too so they overlap somehow yeah um that's a pretty pretty well done game yeah no yeah, good speed I'm wondering if there's any assembly routines in here or if this is 100% basic. Um, I didn't, he didn't show the listing this one. I didn't get a chance to go to his site to take yeah, a look at it. Yeah, it looks so. good. looks good. Good job, Jim. And then last one. <clears throat> this is somebody I've never heard of before. LRU's Outrageous Gaming Project. And he's basically, it's like some of the other guys we've shown High Retro Game Lorded and uh, what the guy was doing in the Dragon stuff there where he does a whole bunch of different platforms. So it just... In the last week, he started doing Dragon and Coco stuff. Okay. Uh, so he's got like Donut Dilemma, and he's got uh, you know. Ugg, I like how like, he's got the emulator, and you could still see his wallpaper and the picture of his cat on yeah. his desktop wallpaper. Uh, that's a nice yeah. feature there. So. so this, is, this is a gaming page definitely for the cat fans, obviously. So. <laughs> 
But he yeah. did pretty good. Like his uh, Pegasus and the Phantom Riders here actually made it up to wave 10. So you get to see some of the, you know, the later stuff. 13 minutes. Wow. Xroar. He's using Xroar. Karen's. So is he a Brit or a European dude? I don't know. I didn't actually delve into that. And I've been sending any messages to him yet to you know, query with him. But I think that's doing the good artifacting, obviously. Yeah. 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 Xroar is very good. I've said this a million times. Xroar is a fantastic <laughs> emulator. It's incredible. It's amazing. <laughs> amazing people work on it. Karen. Sound course, is a little uh, tiny bit choppy, but I'm wondering if that's just through his recording software or something. Yeah, it could be. He also has that uh, monster that shoots the fireballs at you, too, if I can find the frame there. Yeah. Like the, yeah, look yeah, at that. Not everybody seen Which those, is yeah. different. That's that's a that's a unique. There are some things I like because the whole Lancer buzzard bait thing. But you know this game here too plays very well and has some some differences, right? Like yeah, some originality. For, yeah, like in uh, in most of your Joust clones, you had a pretty static play field, and it was just alternating platforms. Sometimes the platforms were here, sometimes they weren't, and you fell in the lava. This one, you have like a whole background that comes into focus as you get closer to the island of where these guys are coming from. So that's a, a much different thing because even the original Joust didn't really have a, a background, right? It was just black, right? black background. So yep. the fact that this is on a background and it's got scenery that's animated and changes, you got the shark swimming. Um, what Joust had was the lava troll, which was a hand that would come up and try to grab you and pull you down. So in lieu of that, this has got a guy spewing um, fireballs. Yeah, and at it you. had the pterodactyl. Yeah, it had the unbeatable question mark pterodactyl. Um, so um, I yeah. love the way you pronounce that, by the P way. Pterodactyl. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, no, this yeah, it was is just neat. floating islands for the graphics. Yeah, floating islands in a dark background. So yeah. and plus the lava troll only grabbed you on the two sides of the screen if you got too close to lava. This one actually will, will track you somewhat yeah. sometimes and yeah. fire at different spots of the screen, so it's a bit more to dodge. Yeah. And what I don't remember, because I think David Ladd played this once and got further than I did when we were both playing around at the same time. Does do you ever make it to the main island or is this as close as you get and is it wrap around again? I don't remember if there's like a final screen where you're like on the island or not. David? If he's still there. Um, basically, you just make it into the cove, and it, then you're... Is the, and, and is this the cove here, or is there one scene further than no, this? No, it goes all the way in. Okay, so scrub forward a little bit, Curtis, and see if this video... I don't video think he did. got that far, unfortunately. Okay, he's almost wave done. 10. Okay. Yeah, he made it to wave 10. That's as far as he got. Okay. A good game, though. And it does take advantage of the speech part of the speech sound pack, right, where you'll player one get ready or something like that um yeah whatever an unintelligible mess that the yes. sound speech pack spews out yeah. uh, mark overholds would like to join should we let him on anyway put it to oh, a I vote already oh did you okay reflux i know right. sorry acid reflux <laughs> um okay so what's the name of this channel again this channel is called lru's outrageous gaming project okay and, and by the way, we usually uh, try to post the links to these in the live chat, but the people who do that are, are were unavailable. So possibly if Marco Overholzer gets back home in time, he can do that. If not, these will be uh, put in the description of this video later on. That's done by Brian Weasler. He puts in all the links and timestamps when the show is done. Um, 
Cool. Is that the end of that was the uh, end of the game on the news? End segment, of so. game on news. Well, Curtis, as always, thank you for what you do for compiling and presenting all that information. Fantastic job, incredible work, Curtis. I've said this for years. Curtis is an amazing man. Does incredible <laughs> Until next things. Week. Um, so, do we want to go ahead and jump into the news news part of the show? Or yeah, not a lot of news today either, but uh, there's a little bit. So, sure. All right. Well, this is a professional show, so we do need to have our proper infographic and, and uh, little sound thing here. So, here we go. From around the world, what you need to know. Get caught up on News with El Curtis And now a Muppet News Flash. All right, if you had not heard enough of Curtis Boyle, uh, guess what? More Curtis Boyle. Yeah, and if you have heard enough of me, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> He's back. <laughs> <laughs> And front and sides as well. <laughs> you your face. I was trying to hold back the choke and I couldn't. Sorry. You got me. You got me. I had a mouthful of coffee. You got me. That was well worth it. Thanks. <laughs> it says anything can happen. Anything yep. can and will happen. Even if coffee the, coming out of one's nose. If the host nose. sprays coffee on your screen, we're sorry. <laughs> So this this week, uh, this is a bit of a strange thing for me. Um, we have more news from Jim Gary on the serious side of programming rather than the game side. Normally, it's completely the other way around if we even do get serious programs from him. So we've got multiple things to show him uh, from Jim Gary here today on the MC10. So the first one here is a reverse video subroutine that he's starting to use in his MC10 programs. Okay. Neat. So basically, you just pass it a string, and it'll automatically figure out you know what to shift the character set to to uh, you know print it out in reverse video. So this is a subroutine. He's actually got the listing up on the screen. You can look at, it or you can get it from his website, and then you can actually incorporate that into your own your own routines as well. And he shows it demonstrating here. He just made a string go sub seven, which is a little routine that does it, and then it prints out the reverse line, including. Like the thing is with the reverse characters, the letters are easy enough. You just you know add or subtract a certain value. But for right. some of the special characters, it's not the same value. You have so to poke them. You yeah. can't even print. You can't print reversed punctuation numbers or spaces. They have to be poked. Yeah. So, so. anyway, it's, it's nice, and he's been using a lot of reverse video. Now, yeah. kind of related to that is uh, there's this little um, subroutine written by Anders Carlson just this year that is in a machine language routine to invert video. Was that, was that guy like on CNN or something? That name sounds really familiar. <laughs> Anders Carlson? No. <laughs> He's been on uh, several retro forums. No, there's a guy on CNN that sounds named similar yeah. to that. That's all. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, some reverse video fun. You were look trying to be that. funny. I was. I failed at it miserably. Oh, look at that. That's fast. Yep. It's an ML routine, so you can basically do inverted CLS of whatever character you want. We control the horizontal. We control the vertical. Mm. That is pretty quick. So, quick dumb question. Maybe you know or you don't know, Curtis. But when it comes to doing certain assembly things on the MC10, would it be fairly similar to the Coco as far as like the screen location? Does that still start at ten twenty four decimal? No, and, no, no, it moves around. Okay, so the video no. location is different. Obviously, some of the registers will be different because it's not sixteen bit and stuff, right? So, yeah, it's it's, it's it's it has sixteen bit, but it has fewer index reg registers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's a cousin of the six eight oh nine. It's it's more of a descent of the six eight hundred and it has some onboard I.O. stuff built in like timer interrupts and stuff. Okay. But, 
Somebody but yeah, keeps... I mean, the, I, I like Jim has done quite a few things where I've seen where if he just had a couple of machine language subroutines, like maybe Andrews or or James for that matter, can write little things like say scroll the screen left, right, up, down, one character type thing. If you made a subroutine to that, maybe some inverse video, and he, he could throw that into some of his games, I think he could come up with some really wicked stuff without him having to like learn assembly and and write program completely in assembly. So, okay, neat. And because he hadn't done enough serious programming. Um, this is, uh, he actually made an accounting, or ported an accounting program over to the MC-10. So this is ri- specifically for Stevie, because I know this is just going to yeah. keep him riveted. Uh, honey, can entire. you help me with this budget, please? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, woman, take this MC-10, get out of my face. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Generic accounting Her program. words were never spoken. <laughs> take this you computer and shut up. She <laughs> won't go far, <laughs> so oh, anyway, it's enough of a wait, notable wait, thing wait. to have an accounting program. There is period. no real-time clock in the MC-10, apparently. Yeah, you, you, you enter the data. Hilarious if there was. <laughs> These abuse people should be quite used to typing in the date like this. So <laughs> Now, there's a couple of things here. One, he made a serious accounting program for the MC-10. That's that's almost newsworthy by Jim's itself. salary. Uh, what is it, 100000 I'm, I'm guessing a week? it's a port. Yeah, it is. <laughs> there we go. One million dollars. <laughs> Car payment. Wow, he's got an expensive car payment. $8,000 car payment? My God, what's this guy Obviously, driving? Obviously, there's a lot of money in making MC-10. <laughs> that's that's, can, that's Canadian, though, right? Canadian, 8000 oh, yeah. Canadian is like, <laughs> what, <laughs> 20 bucks? <laughs> Ferrari dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so, in, in addition to the fact that he's made a serious accounting program of, of some sort of the MC-10, it's also got some pretty interesting techniques he's using inside of it. Um, that he like, mentioned. Uh, choosy moms choose GIF, and serious accountants choose MC10. So, well, James, James, you can speak to this. the The MC10 is a rather unique feature, being able to save an array to tape. Correct? Yes. So he's using that for saving the numeric values that you're doing. Instead of having to write out new individual records for every part of an array, you just do C save or what is it? I can't remember the command. It's an C save star um, asterisk near a star. Yeah. So it dumps an array out to the tape directly. Now he did yeah. that for the numerics. Now, for the descriptions of his different fields, like, you know, this is car payment, this is, you know, Jim's thing or whatever type thing, he's actually poking the values back into the basic program so that if you want to save what all your new text is, you just see save the program itself. It doesn't have to send that out as data files. So it actually modifies, self-modifies the basic program as it's running. Self-modifying code. Wow. Yeah, in basic. And he actually kind of did a little demonstration yeah. on the screen because you can run it, change something, and then when you uh, yeah, look at the that. program, it's changed the actual text over not only is it a serious accounting package, but it's also self-modifying. He uh, stole that from the ZX eighty one. Adam, we don't like to use the wo- I don't like to use the word stealing on this show here. It was inspired by the first <laughs> program I ever used for anything. Borrowed. Yeah. Yeah. Began let a string equal quote quote, and then <laughs> as you entered stuff, it poked it in there, and you just saved the program every time. Because there were no data files. <laughs> David Lord says self-modifying <laughs> is illegal in a lot of states. <laughs> well, I think this would make Steve Bjork's head explode because it's, A, it's got self-modifying code, and two, it's in basic instead of ML. So it's like And a it's on the MC-10. Oh, three. Yeah, that's a, that's a, <laughs> All it needs now is ukulele music. Three strikes, music. you're out. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I can add that, no problem. Oh. <laughs> anyway, that was a pretty fascinating technique that I hadn't seen used too often. I've seen some... You know, embedded routines and stuff that have done some minor changes, but uh, like this way, you have the data file, you save, save star, 
for the data. And then if you modify the names of your headers and stuff like that, you just see save the program. So if you, you know, loaded one tape off and then you did a bunch of major changes, both in the numerics and on the text, and then you put a new tape in, you can literally save the program again with the new changes ready in it. Then you immediately do a C save star and dump all the data. So you can just make new backups with the up-to-date, you know, information. And I thought it was a kind of a neat, neat way of doing things. That's cool. And I just never hmm. thought I'd seen an yeah. accounting program. The MC10, when, when, you, when you don't have records and, and such, uh, you, you do what you can. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it was, it was impressive. I, I, I was definitely intrigued by that. That was, it was pretty unique. Fantastic. Now, Canadian yeah. Retro Things, I believe he is in the chat. So if he wants to chime in a little bit, and we do have to get you on the show fine, sir, one of these days. <clears throat> but he um, finally uh, got a Coco 3. He's been trying to win one on eBay for a while. In that box. So we'll just now, skip ahead where he starts doing it. Does he get his wardrobe from Steve Bjork by any chance? I notice they both like or the Weird Al, shirts. one of the two. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. So. <laughs> or Leo Laporte. <laughs> yeah, the Hawaiian shirt theme. I had to wear yeah. one of those when I was down to Twit, too. So it's, I think it's required to kind of get in the door. <laughs> required wearing, huh? <laughs> So if he's still in the chat, though, like he did this video a few days ago, and he's kind of goes through. Man, know, he really oh, opens up that stuff yeah, up no. fast. Uh, he said he he did he said Weird Al is Weird Al, uh, good. Uh, his fashion good, guru. Good inspiration. Yeah. Look how quickly he opens up that stuff. That's well, I'd be pretty excited getting a Coco Three for the first time too. So I can't can't blame him. So <laughs> they really Definitely bubble wrapped well the wrapped. hell out of this thing, didn't they? Ooh. Yeah, he he mentioned it's very very well packed. Ooh. Okay. Ah. You mean they didn't just pack it in a uh, newspaper? Well, let's bed sheets. Throw it in a box. Okay. Well, yeah. first now, it's a bit scuffed up. As you can yeah, see, the label's missing. Badge. There are replacement labels from very, multiple very people, depending on what so you know memory you end up installing in it. Yeah, you put a well, 512K or two bag badge on it or whatever. Badges? We don't need no stinking badges. He does get to do a cleanup video, though. Okay. Yeah, and and the guy had a hack cable for the power cord. It was one of the ones they cut off, and then he just kind of oh, wow. taped one on. So it's kind of like a lizard when it regrows its tail. There's a little bump in it. <laughs> it must have been uh, turned in for recycling because those are yeah. the ones that are always have it cut off. Uh, yeah. Now the the sucky part of this video is he goes through and he kind of goes you know to explains what he got here, etc. And he never once fires it up to try it out. He takes it apart. <laughs> Yeah, it's called it leave, a, just, leave him wanting he's more. Just teasing you and teasing you, and you don't even yeah. know if the freaking thing works. So um, yeah. <laughs> that what part disappointed hell? me. That part disappointed me. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I, I, I watched the video earlier on, and I come to the same conclusion. It's like, oh, plug it in. Hey, wait, look at the title. It's, I thought the same thing. The title is unboxing. unboxing. It doesn't say turning on. It just says exactly. unboxing. Semantics. We want to see a Kogel three fire up. Darn it. <laughs> anyway, um, hopefully he gets the sequel out because he does mention yeah, that he's going to you know, kind of go through it and figure it out. And hopefully he gets some upgrades because I think it's a 128K model as it currently stands. Uh, I don't know says, if he wants give to it give a couple us a days. teaser. He, couple he, days? Okay. he just live chatted, said give it a couple days, yeah. <laughs> okay. That's a few days Canadian, so that's like a month in American. So uh. I, I just remember how excited <laughs> I was when I got my Coco 3 home. There was no damn way I was going to wait a week. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I usually plug it in first, and then if the smoke comes out, then I find out where the smoke comes from. <laughs> David Lord says when he plugged it in, the house went dark. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see that happen once in real life. That was he, when Bill Noble took the yeah. PP 11 home and plugged it in, and the whole apartment complex dimmed. It just blew the grid, and the whole neighborhood went dark. So. <laughs> 
I was waiting for that when I plugged in the Fairlight, but it didn't happen. Yeah, right. <laughs> Neat. Thank you, Canadian Retro. Thanks. Where yeah. is he from, by the way? What country? He's from, think he's... from BC in what, Canada. What country? What country? Oh, Canada? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. A real country. Um, that was okay. the tropical part of Canada. That's why the. Uh, and, and Ken, we have to get you on sometime. So fire me an email or in Discord or something and just let me know when, when we can get you on because I'd love to have you just talk about some of your videos and kind of the history of the channel and everything else, too. So Absolutely. He probably has higher standards in this show, though. So um, <laughs> We'll even teach you how to turn a Coco 3 on in the video. Yeah, so, yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's a beauty, eh? So you're to look for the magic smoke? Yeah, beauty green screening. <laughs> <laughs> this is a new one I have not seen before, and it's kind of along the same lines, except using a Coco 1. This is Cyber Hug Technologies, a channel I've not heard of, and he just got his very first Coco. And he's got some, you know, factual mistakes talking about it when he goes through, but they're fairly minor. But it's uh, an earlier 1851 serial number for those serial number inclined people. Um, cyber hug, huh? Sounds kind of like a hippie-ish. Oh, man, I need a cyber hug. 1980 with 16 kilobytes of RAM. Yeah. Uh, I believe the first model. That's an earlier one you can tell by the label four. being off to so the left. This is yes. a, uh, a model. Uh, for your serial uh, number junkies, there you go. This is the registers two 16-bit stock pointers. 220, 240, uh, 50 hertz. Um, oh, it's still got the warranty seal. This yep. little fellow came um, hood. Nice. Now, does he plug it in and turn it on, unlike the so other guy whose video we watched? Yes. <laughs> okay. And here you are. You're about to watch a bird. No, 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 no. Lose its timing. No, no. Central screw. That's, of course, on purpose. I can't. I can't. He's really. Avert your eyes if you're squeamish. Just the tips. No. 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 I, I, I was waiting for the uh, the, the Coco to moan or something, but it didn't. I don't care much about it. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> okay, this is wrong. Around this area. What the hell happened to my webcam? Adjusting the. Uh, it's a little bit worn, but it's not, not too bad in shape. Color. Keyboard. Uh, to cut off that to remove the tire up. And no stupid plastic clips holding the shield on. I remember that from my old D board. Uh, yep. Address multiplexer or yep. 68. Definitely modded. Again, I think the earlier A boards did. I, I can't even remember Since anymore, I to be honest. That's the same as my I had to cut those off of mine. Found. So what is he turning there with the screwdriver right now? That's a potentiometer on the switch. Wasn't that mod a uh, one of the PAL upgrades? And by the looks of it's it, yeah, uh, my so yeah my uh, PAL uh, uh, e-board one's got that on it. With the first one. With those mods. Uh, I don't know exactly that, the same mod. Is that the fuzz adjuster <laughs> dial there? Is he <laughs> get the fuzz higher or lower by turning that? But that's got a lot more pots on it than a uh, horizontal uh, sink and NTSC one and stuff like that. Um, so I it's gonna be yeah, a trial it, was, it was to give you something to do try to fiddle to pretend you can actually get artifact colors I think no, I'm just kidding uh, to get something we have something but here yeah, I can see he's having some video problems trying to get it to run and then he finally just, gets it all cleared uh, up hey look at that okay uh, nice dust well, that's the a keys and see if yeah. that works because uh, if thinking maybe I can go over some testing and try to 
So anyway, he's planning on doing, I think, uh, some further videos on it. Now, did you notice anything else on that motherboard that's maybe out of the ordinary from what we're used to seeing as far as such things stuff then to like right now that, that whole the, familiar with pal ones can comment so on that, that whole hodgepodge of wires are underneath where the rf shield would be this is where we see the two motorola chips the yellow wire and the blue wire that area there there's like a satellite board above some ram there i, I don't know if that's a standard feature i'm it assuming on, the, the PAL. on yeah, pal it is okay it is. I'm assuming yeah. the two ceramic-looking chips above that were the basic ROMs, the standard yeah. basic and, and extended yeah, basic. Yeah, they got a. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah, change the timing. But yeah, so I have got I've got a Coco that's got an area like this that had like an RF shield, and then there was a bunch of stuff underneath that. So that part looks familiar to me. What about that giant capacitor to the left there? Is that pretty standard too, or is that because they're doing 240 volts? We need more. Um, that's a standard. That's a standard on an eboard pal. Is it really? Everything on but, that's, okay. Yeah, yeah. What, a, what about the bodge with the? Uh, we have a, a pot sticking off a resistor hanging out of the board, like to the left of the case. There's like some taped on yeah, wire. Yeah, that black wire going to it, and it's the one that's kind of hanging. Oh out. yeah, there's, there's another pot in the inside there. Yeah, floating pot. Look at that. Yeah. And then connected to a resistor that looks like it's been ripped off the board and flung up there. Any Something comments from the really... PAL people what that is? <laughs> everything on the, 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 those two shielded wires in the pot and the resistor and everything that's next to the ROM chips, that's all standard. On, standard on PAL ones. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Now, if yeah. you follow to the left there, David, to where, you know, the red wire turns to black and then it goes to the left where the one that's kind of like, you know, popped out half on the out of the board. What is, is that part of the standard too? Or? Sorry, we're looking, we're looking on the outside that shield down next to the power. Yeah, just outside the shield on the left, yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, mine's got that same thing with that black pot on it as well. I, hmm. I never actually figured out what it was. I looks just connected it all when I did my video mode. Yeah, that, it, it, it looks like a hack job, but it, they actually came out like that. Did you happen to notice on the cover and on the bottom, did they spell Calor correctly or not, since this is PAL? Didn't they have the proper Calor spelling? I don't think it did, actually. The uh, thing said, nope, it was wrong. And, and no, not on mine either. Mine's got C-L-O-L-O-R. Right there, good, go. Right well, that's there. That's just wrong. You guys Tandy Corporation. No, they did not spell Calor correctly. They have no. they have an incorrect Calor computer that's PAL. How is that even yeah. possible? Kind of strange. Yeah. Same. same what about on, on the RAM badge? Did the RAM badge or the uh, TR-80 badge on the top say Calor or color? Okay, there it is. Uh, color. It's American yeah. spelling on mine. It's color. Yeah. It's not. It's not a Calor yeah. computer. What is wrong with this? Well, that's its official name, Color. Yeah, but when you're doing PAL. Calor. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's well, a proper name. So it's, I a have, made up, it's a made-up word name. Yeah, I have never seen a PAL motherboard before, so that was yeah, interesting. I didn't see one of this it, early vintage, yeah. Did they only change it to Kalur after the Coco 2? Might have been. Hmm. So the, the Coco 2 definitely is spelled correctly in, in every other country on Earth. Well, what about in Canada? Are there silver ones? My, my original D-board did have OR. It was the... The American spelling. Yeah, I know we joke board. about this, and we're, we're not trying to drag this into the ground this time. But sure, we are. We got nothing else today. to talk about today. We might as well. <laughs> <laughs> so. um, that was an interesting video. You got the video working after doing some twiddling around. Then he actually had an Andron card. Andron already got with it. Neat. Now this is talking about the quote-unquote artifacting you get on PAL. Right, right. If you see the purple and green stripes over there on that gauge on the right-hand side, you can kind of see. 
Huh. And the diagonal lines. Yeah, too. the diagonal lines are kind of funky looking. Yep. Yeah. The monster's purple and green. Yeah. Blue, green, red, blue, green, red, blue, green. Yeah. yeah. I figure if you got 3D glasses on, that, that should look awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, wait a second. I have mine here. Let me try it, see what it looks like. I, I thought PAL was considered superior because it did not introduce fake colors into the Colors. In PAL, they call them colors. Normal, no, normally it is, but in computer world, it's that they went pear shaped. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so, well, Nick. You actually designed Donut Dilemma to use this type of artifacting because it's vertically based, not horizontally, right? Nick Morantes, I should say. He fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> Mention Nitrous 9, that'll wake him up. Bet you might. Ease of use. Ease of use. Nitrous 9. Trash can icon. TTL. RS232. I like Manny's comment, too. He said, Canada is a country now? All right. Cool. Them's fine words, Yank. Anyway, nice, very nice. Yeah, well, pretty, pretty cool. So I'm gonna be following to see what updates he does as he goes through and kind of discovers the cocoa and stuff because this is the first one he's really ever you know had. That's a pretty clean. See, if that's still coming from the RF output, that's pretty yeah, clean. that's super clean. Yeah, when he yeah. when he zoomed in on the text, the text I didn't see much artifacting in it. It was pretty clean. <laughs> yeah. Nice, Nick. Are you just trying to stir crap here? Or? Yeah. <laughs> is, is, is Jim Brain not available today to troll? Is that the, okay. Uh, this next yeah. one here, at the, since we have him on the panel, I'll uh, probably let him you know chime in on some of this. But uh, James Diffendaffer, or Diffendaffer, sorry, has gotten some more optimizations in Basic done for the MC10, and he's got the uh, stock one versus the current one. And I think mostly it's a math functions. There's some other things he mentioned here. Um, uh, here get care got. A lot of stuff for 16-bit support and math, faster math and stuff. It's the the main thing is that um, now it's finally to the point where I'll, most programs will be over 10% faster. Okay, wow. and the backwards compatibility is really good. And the, as long as you're not expecting the direct page to be identical or the ROM calls to be identical, except for the ones that are. Um, Indirect documented, uh, then it is compatible. Okay. Other than and I haven't haven't done anything major to break <laughs> break the the uh, cassette format or anything like that. Yeah, because um, some of these demos, like I don't know what this one's specifically doing, but it looks to me a bit more faster than ten percent. You know, compared. Well, to that one is about twenty five. I think. Uh, let's see, which is that? That's. Um, that is doing a, um, is it factorial or, or, I can't remember which it is, a factorial. Some sort of math thing. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> one of those benchmark ones. Wow. That, and I just ran it through a hundred times just so you could see the difference. And it's about 25% faster because it's, it uses a lot of multiplication in it. And, uh, of course, that uses the hardware multiply now. And yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll kind of skip through pieces here because, I mean, watching math happen is kind of boring. Yeah, it, it's pretty math boring. Whiz. I even cut, made some cuts on some of this. And this is that solitaire solver, which, by the way, I actually went in and changed the code since I did this. And it's, it's like, much faster now. But, <laughs> but uh, So this is your standard is Klondike a, solitaire that you're this, just kind of solving, though. The, the, well, this is about 11% faster. Uh, is what kind of what you can expect from your typical program. Okay. And uh, if you go ahead a little bit, you'll 
be able to see. Uh, there was your circle drawing thing here I wanted to show too, because that one yeah, actually that, you can really that, see the difference. You can really see because of the math, because it's like one and a half circles for every wow. one of the original ROM. Wow, that is impressive. Now, have you sped up the graphics and stuff itself too, or? Um, or is it more the, the underlying version, math you were not seeing? Not in the version you're looking at. I've actually shaved a few cycles off of the set routine since doing this. I haven't fully tested that code yet, but it's it's not a lot. The, the code's kind of convoluted, and I, I, I really need to sit down and analyze it and see what I can do to speed it up. Uh, one of the other things I've sped up since this is uh, the character output routine. Um, well, that'll help because Jim Gary uses the, the character string strings for a lot of his yeah, graphics. If so if you're, you're speeding well, that up, that'll it, help. Yeah, yeah, well, it's only 10 clock cycles per character, but a full screen of characters, that's over 5,000 clock cycles, you know, 5,120. Yeah. So for a game, it's going to make quite a bit of a, you know, difference. Um, this one is kind of... Um, is this a life game or something? Or? This is the, yeah, Game of Life. And, and it's... This was actually the first one I tried benchmarking with. And it took over 20 generations before I could get a full <laughs> character head on that status bar at the bottom. It was pretty pitiful. But now it's, uh, it's about 9% faster. This one's kind of bound on the the point and set commands there's not a lot i can do to speed it up but the main thing is the uh the main interpreter loops a lot faster this is a prime number generator yeah you can see it's scrolling faster there now is that partly the scrolling speed increase you're talking about and partly the math well, or is that, it more uh, the math or no this is mostly the math and the screen scroll the character printing routine is not the faster one is not part of this Okay. Um, the funny thing is, though, you know, if if you double the speed, like like a high speed poke, like the Coco Three, the uh, the new ROM does about an entire screen before even one prime would be printed, <laughs> so, and it's done before almost before the other one prints a full screen. And this is um, oh, what you call them. Um, Fractal, or no, Moy, um, uh, what do they call it? Starts with an M. Mandelbrot? Mandelbrot. Mandelbrot. Hmm. It's a text Mandelbrot. Okay. Which is a lot of, a lot of math. And you can, and it, you know, you can see quite a bit of difference. But the main thing is I've passed the magic 10% mark on a lot of programs. That's impressive. Yeah. And if you've sped up screen scrolling and then you've now, since this video was made, you know, sped up some of the uh, character string generation, I could see Jim Gary definitely taking some advantage of that. And getting oh, yeah. And uh, one of the things I want to do is I want to do an 8K ROM that I backport like the, the character printing routine and uh, some of the faster math and and the fa some of the faster parsing and things like that. So it should get a, eh, that'll probably provide a 5% speed up, but you could do a drop-in replacement ROM without doing any other hardware hacking. Is the ROM socketed on the MC-10? Um, some of them it is. Uh, I have one that is socketed, but most of them it's soldered in, so mm -hmm. it's kind of a whatever you happen to get. If you have a low serial number, and I think they started numbering the serial numbers at, um, let's see, what is mine? 
let's see. 200,000. I think they started numbering them like at 200,000 or something like that. And uh, mine is like 92, 200,092. And it's socketed. So hmm. if you have something with a low serial, serial number, it might be socketed and you can just plop one in. But if you want to do a 16K ROM, it's not wired for that. So you'd have to so I wonder how... have some other board. I wonder what the MCX128 is doing because it's booting to like a ROM extension when because it plugs into the back cartridge. When you boot into the it, MCX128, it's got a well, modified one basic. The, one of the one of the few things that they did right on the MC10 was they have a line coming in from the cartridge where you can disable the internal address mapping. Now you can't change the address that video RAM is at, but you can. Um, put RAM at different addresses or replace the internal ROM with a new ROM or whatever. So you could load um, a 16K ROM image into RAM on the MCX128. I was thinking of doing that before, but I might leave that exercise up to somebody else. I was just going to ask if you had any thoughts of actually taking the MCX128 basic, which supports you know extended basic commands and graphics commands. Well, and maybe I, you know doing the same types of optimizations there if 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 they're not in there already. Um, well, I intend to do some uh, high res support and stuff like that. But one of the things I don't like about extended color basic is it's kind of slow to parse, and there are other versions of Microsoft Basic that have easier to parse commands and stuff. And I might not go ex extended color basic compatible because it's just. I want to squeeze as much in as possible, so I, I don't know. I haven't really decided yet. Okay. okay. Yep. Well, keep us posting that. I mean, because now, now that you're getting some noticeable speed-ups, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that Jim Gary will take advantage maybe revisit some of his old games and if certain techniques are even faster than others that he might, you know, revamp. Just thinking oh, how the, much more the, the efficient uh, the accounting will go with this now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just blindingly fast now, yeah. I'm sure. If you skip, if you sped up the character string writing code, you know, ten cycles per character. I mean, stuff like that Tailgunner game we just showed would be a little bit faster. Et oh yeah, yeah. The 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 games where, especially where you're printing a string, yeah, they're going to be a lot faster. Uh, I mean, well, a lot. Um, yeah, and that's what Jim usually is doing. Like he has scrolling games where you're steering a skier or, well, or whatever. Well, through. it depends on what you're doing because it's like I I tested. Um, what was it, the factorial or whatever generator that was the, the first one we looked at and, in that video. And, I mean, it made, out of a hundred times through that, it made the difference of like a quarter of a percent. But you got to remember that that's doing a huge amount of math and a lot of ASCII to text or a, a floating to ASCII conversion and stuff. So there wasn't a lot of time to save on it. Yeah, on something like a game where you're not doing that, you know, it it might make a significant difference. Is several. Well, I'm thinking like you've sped up character generation, like printing text on the screen. You've also sp sped up screen scrolling by using 16-bit registers. Yeah. Um, Jim Gary's a lot of scrolling games where you're the, the screen scrolling up while you're moving stuff back and forth, and it's drawing trees or whatever you're dodging around skiing. Oh, yeah, or it, it, is. it would make those stuff should like get a faster. speed up on both aspects of it and, and well, get a quite noticeable increase. Now, keep in mind, you're also getting the main interpreter loop. I've 
I've cut out a lot of garbage. And, uh, you know, where you're, if you get 10% faster to start with, and then you have faster printing, you know, you're, you're going to have a pretty good speed up on some of those games. Yeah, I'm figuring you may be up to like 20, 25% on some of them. So I'd like to see your new ROM image, try some of Jim Gary's scrolling games and see. How, you know, how are you testing is. this now? I'm assuming this is all through emulation, right? This is all through emulation right now. Um, eventually, I'm going to burn a ROM and and do a little hacking to get a 16-bit or a 16k ROM. I'm on gonna my burn machine, a ROM, man. Gonna burn a ROM. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Very cool. This yeah, is- I mean, you're basically doing the same approach I've been doing with Nitrous Nine is try to speed up little bits here and there, and once you amalgamate them all together, and you're using several at the same well, time. It, you know, it's, it's like it speeds up they, a fair bit. They jump to a subroutine to test the keyboard before every single um, token is processed, and that jumps to another subroutine which calls something else <laughs> yeah the original and, color basic did that too and they fixed that up it's okay. horrible and the print routine too is i haven't even started on the print but um i test for uh, like the break key myself but i only do it like every 16 tokens so it's and and I have three instructions versus a jump and a jump and a jump and a return and a return and a yeah yeah so yeah you know it's stuff like that it's it just wasn't made to be efficient no it was made to be portable yeah <laughs> yeah and well the the print character thing kind of annoyed me because you want to do the most commonly thing printed first you want to test for that first so you can deal with it. And instead, they, the first thing they test for is a backspace. Who's printing backspaces to the screen? And the next <laughs> is a carriage return. And then they test for a regular character. And yeah. all I did was change the code order, and I could cut two tests, two branches, and, um, and one um, test instruction. You know, it's like it was nothing. In a partridge in, in a pear tree. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we're getting off track. And no, that's I cool, don't though. Want Stevie to rage quit. No, so. that's fine. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah, but I'd like to see you and Jim Gary maybe combine and maybe he can give you a couple that he thinks, based on the description of what you've changed, that he can try and, and maybe you improve the game or whatever and maybe re release them based on this. Well, I'm going to, as soon as I track down my last bug in this, I might send him some, a test version again uh, and uh, he can test whatever he wants on it. So Neat. Cool. And this was a last-minute edition of the news because it just dropped right before the show started. Um, this is the Gimme X with an 8-meg board. You can see the 8-meg prominently displayed on his little prototype. And I have not watched this yet. I just got the link to it, so it's uh, new to me, too. We'll okay. see what he says. I'll play this whole way through. It's only mi- just under a minute. For all you know, it could have dancing girls right after the start. Yeah. We'll find out. <laughs> hey, guys. Can you hear it okay so or should I turn up? It's such a busy summer that yeah. I've only just now gotten around to actually implementing the uh, the onboard programming for the 8 megabyte RAM upgrade. I'd turn it up a little bit. Give me X. And I am really pleased to report this makes me happy. Okay. It seems to be working beautifully with the system that uh, Gary and I came up with to extend the memory so that's an 8 megabyte coco 3 there 
that can run at 2.86 megahertz. Wow. Really happy. With cool. 8 megabytes of RAM. So sweet. And a higher speed. General release and no smoke. Yet, so. <laughs> yeah, it's no magic good. smoke. That's a real tease. Seeing a gimme action yeah. of Coco. <laughs> it's starting to look pretty well, without programming for the eight. With the blue and the green. Yeah, nice rainbow mm. wire yep. there. There's getting to be less and less stock um, parts in the Coco 3. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a Coco 3 under there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> now, I can vouch because I've been playing with the Gimme X prototype and it, with his 2 make version of the board, and, and the 2.86 megahertz really runs nice. Um, Bill's actually got Nitrous 9 completely natively running it now. We just have to slow it down for the SDC, but uh, everything else runs full throttle. That's neat. There's no substitute oh. for megahertz. That's one of his custom keyboards. Yeah. Yeah, with his little Cylon uh, brake key. More megahertz yeah, yeah. is more better. Yeah. There's the Cylon brake key. Yeah, it looks nice. Looks good. Mm. What will we have in five years? No hair. <laughs> We're still here. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll look like David Ladd and be just as enthusiastic about the Coco as he is. Mm. Oh. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> now, Coco's will be in lockdown. <laughs> Far out. Anyway, that is the end of the news there, but that was a nice little surprise to just suddenly find that right before the show started here. So, Roger that. Well, thank you as always for procuring the news and for delivering the news to us. And thank you, Mark Overholzer, who's now made it home safely for um, posting the links. What is behind you there, Mark? I see a bus with a bunch of cards plugged into it. What, what do we have there? Oh, I just got back from a computer rescue. There's a guy that lived three hours from me in Southern Oregon that uh, had to get rid of this S100 bus North Star Horizon system. Nice. So he offered it to me Sweet. for the price of just picking it up. The price of picking it up. I see all kinds of cards plugged into a cage there. I see ribbon yep. cables. This is uh, this is computing. The yeah, these didn't have yeah. like a keyboard with them or a monitor. Um, most of my guests were just a serial terminal. And so they're designed to boot CPM or custom DOS. This one probably booted a custom DOS. I haven't looked at the disks yet because it appears to have four uh, terminals that are plugged into it. And the terminals are just keyboards. And so there appears to be some uh, video connectors here on the back that are uh, BNC. So I think they just went out to a monitor. So they had like some sort of video monitor and then they had the keyboard plugged into it. So it's some sort of multi-user system. MPM instead of CPM? Yeah, yeah it could be running MPM. I don't know. Well, was that multi-user? Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's a multi-user multi CPM. CPM. Okay. Looks yeah, like a Fairlight. <laughs> right. Remember when your lights go dim? That's normal. <laughs> <laughs> it can't yeah, be that bad. So it's got a couple full-height drives. Yep. It's got a linear power supply down here. It's got a couple full-height drives. It's got, you can see it's got a CPU card with a Z80 and some RAM. It's actually got a uh, it's actually got a uh, real-time clock, it looks like. It says 100,000-day oh, clock. I'm so jealous. It has a little 9-volt <laughs> battery. Hopefully it hasn't leaked. So yeah, and like I said, the second it has got the the serial terminal seems to be the rear card, and then just in front of there it has a seems to be a video card. It says uh, screen splitter, and that goes to the video connectors. It looks like so. Anyway. State of the art in character printing. Absolutely. All that needs now is James to optimize it, and you're good to go. Uh, oh, it did come with a couple other things. There's uh, check this out. This is a Hayes Micromodem 100 card. Wow. And here's the part that plugs into the phone line. <laughs> Holy criminies. 
put that on eBay, that'll probably pay for your trip and then some. Yeah, it might. <laughs> Even if it doesn't work. There's a couple other cards. There's like this interesting ROM card. It has one ROM and a whole bunch of sockets in it. <laughs> so, Oh, and there's a prom burner, it looks like, too. So I can burn my own chips. <laughs> wow. Yay. So, anyway, it looks kind of cool. I'm hoping to get it all fixed up. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Are we doing projects and acquisitions? We are. We're going to. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to take a commercial break and then we'll be back. uh, And it will be project updates and acquisitions after this. So if you want to show more of that, Mark, when we come back, that's fine. Uh, Thank you, Curtis, as always, for the news. Thank you, James Diffendaffer, for the optimizations. And we'll be back after a little short wave. We will return after these messages. Coco Talk is brought to you in part by Placeblex Dietary Supplement. Placeblex, we think it works, so will you. It's a Radio Shack Merry Christmas. Oh, I remember that Christmas. Dad gave me my first shortwave radio from Radio Shack. What memories. This Christmas, we got our son's color computer three from Radio Shack. It hooks right up to our TV and was on sale for less than $130. The Color Computer 3 makes learning fun. Jimmy even lets me use it for word process. When he isn't playing computer games. Lucky I still got my shortwave. Save $70 on the sale-priced Color Computer 3. Only at Radio Shack. Hey, this is Bruce Moore, author of Force of Doom, and you're watching the original gamer, Stevie Stroke. Only the bravest souls enter. Only the most cunning return. Defeat innumerable monsters to ransom the king's scepter, stolen by the evil wizard. Your sword, shield, and wits are your only allies. Pray you find a magical inn as your only respite in the forest of doom. For the tiny color computer one, two, and three. November 2017, if you dare. This is Ken Reichard, author of Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. And you're experiencing... Coco Talk? Just when you thought it was safe to go back to Coco Fest. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. Coco Fest Edition? Still low resolution, still digital to analog converted sound. More machine language. And basic. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. Now includes the power of Terry to clear the road ahead. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. Available as a DVD-ROM with all my past games as an alleged bonus, including my unreleased fourth Rainbow Adventure contest entry. Unreleased for a reason. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. Get your physical or digital copy at cancanmakeit.com. Now you've really paid too much. Nick Marionette on electricity. Crikey! Electricity! 
electricity is a fan. The big market is just open flame. Brought to you by Nitro Stein, Ease of Use Edition. Hashtag OS9 Forever. Crikey. Wow. <laughs> that is something else, I tell you what. Well, it's been a great show today. It's been a show about nothing. Well, we had news, we had game on, we had optimizations. But it is now time for everyone's favorite part of the show, and that's project updates and acquisitions, everybody. Where we go around and talk about anything we worked on this week, anything we did this week, maybe something we picked up on eBay, or in Mark Overholzer's case, on a road trip. Um, so does uh, Rick Uland? This land is my land. This land is you land. Um, you mentioned, and by the way, Rick, I want to thank you for your contribution to the newsletter. I got a lot of great feedback on the newsletter this time around. And Sweet. it's thanks to all the content that was submitted, and you were one of those. So thank you, sir. Glad to help. And continuing the tradition, I'm making more stuff. <laughs> uh, let's see if I can make my screen happen. You cannot screen share. Hold on, okay. I'm going to stop sharing. I have stopped sharing. Okay. You try it again. Well, let me try this again. Then, um, Ubuntu does very weird things when I try to share screens. I'm just going to jump into it, and okay. bang over here. And is there Boom. a bench? Yeah. So yes. I've been working on this thing for a while. I talked about it. I don't know a month ago. So the mouse tamer, where you can put three devices into the cocoa and put any one of them on any port, basically. And this morning, it still wasn't working. And here it is at the, uh, you know, WTF Central trying to figure it out. <laughs> so here it is with its shiny new bodge wires where I crisscross the selects on these two chips. So basically what we have here are a mouse, a uh, joystick, and another joystick. These are quad bilateral switches, which are single pole toggle switches, basically. And uh, with 466? Excuse me? 4066s? Uh, something like that. Yeah, I believe you're. I believe you're right. The nice CMOS, so they don't suck any juice. In fact, they don't even need these extra power wires here. Even with the uh, high-res adapter plugged in, it seems like it floats just fine with comes out of the joysticks. So I was really happy about that. And then uh, after my printer was done exploding cat heads, I built this case <laughs> for it. So uh, I the, could just uh, imagine the printer doing that. <laughs> you oh, showed yeah. us that last week. It's my new mascot. Yeah, it's it's supposed to be the money cat example print, but. It came off somewhere in the middle of the show and made an exploded cat head. So the, the board just slides into these. So I don't have a lot of attachments. And, uh, you know, obviously this is, this is a combination of, uh, this isn't really a product per se. I was trying to, this is my human solderable prototype of a new circuit idea combined with, I need to figure out how to do good slide together cases in a 3D printer. And if anyone wants to build one, I'll, Give them a board and a case, you know, something like that. But uh, anyway, it pops in there. You pop the top on, and, you know, here's the input side, and there's the cocoa side. And uh, go away. Come back. And there it is on the cocoa. So bad idea. It sticks out way too far. But 
I think in the long run, I'm going for a service mount version of this where the product is actually just a little two by two inch board, whatever that is, 30 centimeters, 30 meters, millimeters aside, whatever. Um, 30 meters. <laughs> 30 meters, big old board, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can do a lot of stuff. I can even get that eight megs on there. <laughs> um, so the design is kind of a cross. Oh, go away. Where's the thing I was looking at? You notice I use these tiny little switches such as are appropriate for... Oh, you can't even see them anywhere. Okay. Yeah, that tiny. <laughs> the, well, the, the little mini micro switches, and then uh, we'll uh, just jump off of this and get back to... I really like how you've got it all designed so it plugs into the cocoa as, a, as, a, as one unit that plugs in. That's really neat. The uh, If I did this just SMT, it wouldn't have this whole extension on the side, so it wouldn't extend past the power button. It would be just barely big enough for the three things to fit. Okay. But like I, it sticks out so far, I'm thinking maybe the real thing to do as far as getting boards made is just a little two-by-two two square with header slots in it, and that way you could dongle it into anything you wanted to do or not populate the whole thing. Some people might not need a high-res adapter, you know? I was going to ask you about that. Did you say that the high-res adapter will be included, or this is only this is made to work with the high-res adapter? No, the high-res adapter is part of it. In fact, a question for the room. As I've written it right now, whatever goes into the right side input of the Coco has the high-res adapter on it, switchable high or low. But it has to plug into the cassette port. Uh, well, yeah, there's, a, in fact, the, the mysterious blue wire. Is it cassette or serial? I can never remember. It's the cassette port. And so it can't be contiguous because there's a jump. So it has to actually be an extra wire. And in fact, I think you, here's the mysterious blue wire that, that reaches out over to the cassette port, <laughs> which would, you know, obviously be a little tail with a plug on it or something. But uh, so can you turn off the high res without unplugging the cassette? Yeah, there's there's a there's three switches on the on the gizmo, which I haven't got a good pick. Well, let me just quit sharing a screen and go back to my. Um, how how do you access the power switch of the Coco? There, there's going to be a feed through. In fact, if I could stop, am I back to my normal screen? I can't tell. I can oh, turn off your sharing if you can't figure it out. Okay, if I kill that, okay. that doesn't help. I just stopped your sharing. Here comes Zoom. Okay, perfect. So anyway, um, let's see. Where's the gizmo itself? So there is a feed-through hole. <laughs> oh, okay. And the the tiny, teeny tiny uh, slide switches that I was speaking about. Okay, here's the, the test fit board for the case. And you can see it's using little bitty slide switches. And then I'm using a uh, adapter thing to create Okay. A, a meaningful slide switch off the top of the board here. Okay. That's uh, not for this product necessarily, but for the potential SMT mini board thing, I'm going to want to use little bitty slide switches on the little bitty board. And so this kind of plastic thing becomes important. So I spend almost as much time making this stupid case as I have in making the circuit. <laughs> but it was my first one yeah. on a new printer, but and all of that. So um, I guess the next case will go a little better. So have you been able to replicate the high res interface yet? And oh yeah, it's all 
I, I used to in the nineties, I made a thing called, I don't know, the mouse socket or something that just, you stuck it on the back of the cocoa and it was a high, low res on the right side for whatever you plugged in there. So I just stole my old design. Um, I was happy to find, I can switch the op amp, the old 3,900 ends aren't around, but I found a different op amp that works. So I think I'm good to go. Um, like I say, other than the, 2904s will work in place of the 3900, I think, from memory, too. Oh, you you already found one that works, in it? Yeah, 3900D works. Oh. Still a single-ended op-amp with four channels, so works for yeah. me, and it's available in a little flat pack. So, I mean, my whole idea is to get this into a circuit board about, you know, smaller than this post-it. And... Uh, I'm going so to need again, itty bitty parts. <laughs> so the 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 third plug will be high res enabled with a switch, yes or no, like on and off. So whatever ends up being switched, okay. So the the idea is you have a a mouse, right joystick, left joystick. Yes. You can switch mouse and right joystick between each other, and then you can exchange the two joysticks. Yeah, so for the left, so, right. so it's possible to put any one of those three devices on the right input of the cocoa, and the high res is there, higher low, oh. on the right side of the cocoa. You can put them on times. the oh, okay, and you can see what goes on the left as well, right? Well, yeah, you can switch the left. Left and right twice is kind of confusing. <laughs> MJ1, J2, you can put. Any one of those onto the right or the left side, whichever one ends up on the right side has the high res adapter. Right. It's the okay. thing in the line, just right before you go into the cocoa, is high res, yes or no, on the right side. Okay. I don't know if that's the right way to do it. That's the way I did it on this thing. And so it's kind of a question to the room. Would you so want nitrous the high res? Nine? Nitrous 9 does expect the most in the left or right. You can set it to whatever side you want. That's settable in software. Because that would so be a good use for this is Vectris 9 having a high res, right? And soon you well, won't need that. Is there ever a reason for a high res joystick or should the high res adapter just always be with the mouse? You know, that's... Don't know. Um, at, at, as a side note, how many people actually use the high res mouse on their Coco nowadays? Well, I will for Vectris 9. Yeah, why, okay. why did you say... Why did you that. Ignore oh, that because that's the big use. You won't need it. You won't why? need it for that soon, hopefully. Why? So, yeah. wh what else? Why does he keep saying that? Because well, that, that's coming. You won't need that high res. Yeah, we're, we're trying to get the the Sockmaster Nick Marenti's uh, high res in software uh, driver to work under Nitrous Nine. Actually, I'll be hitting that fairly soon now that I've got. Isn't my that going to slow down? Like you have to. Re you need a sixty three oh nine for that. No. no, it doesn't need a six. Well, the, I think the current one doesn't even use the six or nine. I, how much it slows it down is a concern. I have to see. I, from looking at the code, I don't think it's going to slow it down that much. But I well, haven't got that far yet, obviously. And of course, I'm not rewriting any disk basic stuff like Color Max or Color Max Deluxe. Well, I mean, because Color Max Deluxe is already redone for that. Uh, but but uh, if anybody else that did use the high res interface will still need that for other software. But Nitrous 9, uh, cross my fingers, hopefully will not require it later on. Later on. Well, these things may get cheap, though, because looking at the price of silicon nowadays, the three joystick connectors on the back of this thing cost more than all the parts. <laughs> it's <laughs> ridiculous. 
So, uh, yeah, high-res adapter, you know, cost you a quarter if you got something else going on in the vicinity. So, so getting getting back to the question between Nick Morentes and Nick Morota, um, so we're trying to determine how many people want to use a high-res adapter, how many yeah, people well, have I, a high-res adapter. Yeah, well, I look at myself, and I never plug in the high-res interface because it's a pain. Um yeah, well, and this I just make it not a pain. I just, I just ask, how many people actually use the high res interface? I mean, apart from Nitrous Nine, obviously, they're hard to find. That's, that's the, the main one. They're hard that's to find. That's the main the one, and we won't need it for for Nitrous Nine anymore. So I'm wondering, what else do people use the high res interface for? Well, the original versions of Color Max and Color Max Deluxe. Now, there's a patch to Color Max Deluxe now out that doesn't need it, but there's no patch for the original Color Max. If you have a 128 gig Google three, you need the high res interface to run that. Um, well, Steve York had published the article in Rainbow to run the high-res interface both for the Cocoa 1, 2, and the Cocoa 3. I don't know how much third-party software used that. There were some example programs in Rainbow I know that did. Uh, which Nick, I don't you're think asking how many people use a device that's extremely hard to find. Well, well hold on. Let me throw out something here. Um, if there is a hardware interface and a software interface, some people would probably choose the hardware interface if it's available. Yeah. To save the cycles on running the software. Exactly. Hardware is always better. No, yeah, well, the, the hardware is mm. not ultra fast either. So it's going to be faster than software. Uh, well, less costly. Pretty close. Yeah, I'll have to figure that out. I mean, if you want ultimate speed for a high res mouse, use a serial port. <laughs> Now, the problem you have, like uh, Ron's holding up a <laughs> high-res interface. Ron uses Coco Max, which has a different high-res interface again. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, I'm Yeah, Coco I tried that. I've got, the high, I've got the same interface there that you've got, Ron, and I tried it with yeah. Color Max, and it didn't work. I no, think Coco Max would be a less of a use case than Nitrous Night. Right. I've got one, but for no purpose. With made the, in Korea. Well, so, piece. It's a There's also Color Max. Isn't there another graphics program? Well, Color Max has been passed. Coco Max. What is it? Well, there's one that uses these special adapters, one that doesn't. Yeah, that's right? the one I said, uh, Coco Max, uh, that Ron uses. Right. But it uses. A I mean, adapter, in that situation, you know, we're talking about. You know, that's why I asked how many people use the high res interface. So, in Ron's case, he would still have to plug in an interface to run Coco Max. But how many people, yeah, how many people do actually need it? I'm wondering. Actually, David Croker just mentioned something in chat that I'd forgotten about. Max 10 needs the high res interface, and that has not been patched. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it may. Oh, no, you, you could be right. So, that would be another still, case. Still sealed in the bag. That's kind of weird. Which one is that, Rick? This is the CocoMax with its interface and all of its bibs and bobs and font Man. kits from Alpha Products, no less. Hmm. So that's well, a cool thing. I, so the other, I, thing, I, I, the other I, thing, too, is this has the three inputs, which is nice. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting product that Ritz working on, and some people might want to use it. Some people might not. Yeah. Um, I mean, the joystick switching alone is nice. And the fact exactly. that it's got a nice case and plugs right in the back of the Coco is nice, too. I'm interested so. in just yeah, yeah, the three, yeah. three inputs. Yeah. In the, right. Now, uh, this is different than Jason's Joey switch because that's just the left-right switch thing. So this is kind of like a Joey plus high-res, right? Yeah. Well, and the other thing is you can switch on the fly without glitching out the Coco. So... If you have one good joystick and you want to share it, 
on a two-player share game, you can flip left and right in the middle right. of the game, and the game's not going to go blip, and you start over, which is a problem I had with the, I had a previous product that used a walkie-talkie push-to-talk switch that I had gotten surplus that was like an eight-pole double throw to switch the two joysticks, and every time you switched it, it would crash the cocoa. <laughs> so that's why Oops. I went with the the quad bilateral CMOS switch wonder chip that costs. I've, I've been a big fan of the quad bilaterals myself. They're, they're fantastic <laughs> chips. They do incredible things. Um, yeah. Can you believe the, these are the instructions for the uh, Harris interface? Wow. There it is. Wow. I have never used any of these type of devices, but that doesn't mean that I mean, Rick's, Rick's working on it. Rick's going to make one. Some people might want to buy one or build one. And uh, the question is right now, how many people are using high res? Maybe nobody is, but if the high res adapter becomes available, how many people will use high res? Well, that's to be determined, right? So, um, yeah. well, they're just hard to find right now is the issue. All right. I've explain, been looking for one. Explain the difference between uh, regular res and high res. What are zero the, to, what are zero the to 64 versus zero to six? 256. How sensitive the joystick or the mouse is, basically. How many positions it can read. So right now in Nitrous 9, uh, there's not a one-to-one mapping between your mouse reading and the pixel you're pointing at. So when you use a mouse... Sorry. Uh, When you use a mouse in multi-view, it jumps 64 steps across the screen with the regular mouse, and I find that kind of hard for hitting icons and so forth. In the high res, you get the full... One to one ratio. Every pixel all the way across, and it's smooth, which makes it really hard, really easier to hit your target. Yeah, if you're doing graphic editing programs, like the the next ease of use is going to have MV Canvas built into it. It will need some sort of high res. It's totally useless with a standard low res mouse. Okay. Well, that's neat, Rick. We got maybe a little too down a path of who who could, who won't, who will, but that's okay. <laughs> You're working on a project. And I'll make a one, two, three article yeah, out of it. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. We'll make a newsletter article out of it. That's good. And then I'll have to head on down to the pond and uh, do the thing. Huh. And so do you have a dream ETA on this? Well, this thing's working, so... Um, I don't know what Rick, to do with it, Max. Well, I can tell you one thing, Dad. You can add a CocoMax uh, interface option in there because the CocoMax interface is the same as the high-res interface, but it doesn't require the cassette. So that's actually going to be easier to implement than the that Tandy one. Interesting. No, so you could have both Tandy. I've got one here. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to dig yeah. it out if it's multi-res. I forget exactly uh, what it does. It's different, but it bypasses the need for the cassette. So you could actually implement that, and that'll keep running. And then you're happy. compatible with absolutely everything. Yeah. Just That's all right. things cocoa in a white box. And, and then don't yeah. forget the real-time clock and the sound chip, as Ken yeah. Mickard's yeah. pointing out. So oh, that, that's on the that. next program. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, that was one update from one person. There's a few more people out here. Who else has got an update? Project update, acquisition, story to tell, something to share. Anyone, anyone, Bueller, Bueller. I have one little bit bit of one, but I was hoping Paul would be showing up because I know he was out with his son <clears throat> earlier today. He was going to try to pop by late in the show. I don't think he's on the panel yet, is he? I have not seen Paul Shoemaker <laughs> out there, so anyway. we want to maybe we want to just wait another minute or two. Does anybody else? Maybe we'll save Curtis for last. 
Anyone? Anyone? Anyone else have anything to update? I just have one last comment on uh, what we were showing on the news earlier. The first program counted all the ways of making change for a dollar. That's what that was. Okay. So which was I'm a done. which was a uh, similar benchmark that uh, was in our newsletter. <laughs> that was from your newsletter. Ah, there we go. There we go. Look at that. Uh, the newsletter is influencing people already. Yeah. Okay. Well, yes. Yeah, so let me let me speak on that for just a second. So yeah, I, I think I think I've done four or maybe five newsletters now, and this newsletter has been the most well received. It was the most well contributed to, as well as the most well received. So I want to say thank you on both parts. I want to thank say thank you to everybody who contributed, including Alan Murphy and Rick Uland and and um, Mikey and um, I'm trying to remember who Stephen Pereira and um, uh, Eric Canales' son did one. So yeah, we had some great contributions, and we had actually had people read it, and then we had people who actually said, "Hey, this was really good." And the funny thing is, is that nothing has really changed. This is pretty much how this newsletter's been since 1985. But some people were saying, man, I really like the new format. I'm like, well, the format hasn't really changed that much. But if you like it, that's great. That's great. You know, so, um, uh, you know. Something but, special about it. But. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, uh, but, you know, it's one of those things where you ask and you don't always receive, but we received a lot of content and I was really thrilled with the amount of content and I think it made for a good newsletter and luckily uh, people read it and responded favorably so I want to thank everybody for making this a whole big uh, complete experience and and not, not only that but we got a um, somebody was inspired by the benchmark I think it was um, uh, who was it I have to check my email now but yeah uh, not James is it Jim Jim Jones or James Ross James Jones James, no, James Ross I think he says, oh, man, I was inspired by that one. So he already wrote one, and he um, then uh, submitted. An, so I already have an article in a program benchmark follow-up to an article from this newsletter for the next newsletter. So that's a first. So that was kind of cool. Um, I, I mi- we had a Glenside meeting that just happened uh, Thursday, which I missed. Um, but uh, don't forget the Glenside Color Computer Club, glensideccc.com. They meet uh, third Thursday of every month. I missed that meeting, but hopefully it went well. Um, and what else? I do have a couple of updates and acquisitions. So if you want, if nobody else has anything to share, I'll go ahead and show mine. And we're, we're stalling. Brian Schubring was holding up his hand. I don't. Know if oh, I'm were you going to share something, Brian? And well, just what you see on the screen here. You know, I've, I've been uh, getting OBS set up for. Uh, Starting the series on music and what you can do with music on the Coco. So, mm. oh, oh, yeah, I'm working on it. So, you know, nice. it looks kind of good. I got OS9 in the background here. And as you can see, Ooh. I actually do have Ultramuse running over here. Now, is this on a real Coco or is this on an emulator? Uh, no, it's actually on um, emulator. Okay. I'm, I'm using uh, an older version of uh, VCC. Okay. But I want to get myself a uh, video capture board mm-hmm. so I can actually do it on real hardware and that. Okay, and nice. So that's that's pretty much what, what I've got going on here. I've just been playing with uh, some stuff here and that to, to to get myself acquainted with OBS. You're so doing can, a better uh, job than I am so far. So you've got a <laughs> scrolling ticker and all kinds of stuff. So that's yeah, I, I noticed Rob Inman's been fiddling with his MIDI pack, too. He put up some 
uh, videos of playing MIDI stuff on uh, yeah. Discord too. So we should get the two of you together for a big uh, Coco MIDI presentation. <laughs> now that Jim Brain's actually got the MIDI board shipping. So mm. which which Rob was this again? Ian, uh, Rob, Ian, man. Yep. Okay. Yep, so, yep, yep, yep. I'm going to have to get one of those MIDI boards. They yeah. really good. I wish I could find Mike Carey. You remember Mike Carey way back when, uh, right, um, Curtis? Yeah. We did we did that uh, big uh, thing, and all that. That was way back in the jeez, probably late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah, that was early nineties. Now then and whatnot. But I honestly don't know if he's still alive because I know he had a uh, brain tumor and Ouch. and and no. he had surgery. But uh, I I got a hold of him a while back in that, and uh, I know that he's still around. Just he's still working on uh, converting pianos to uh, player pianos. We using MIDI and such, but anyway, um, that's all that I had. I, I just, uh, you know, trying to show off a little bit. <laughs> that no, that's good. Doing that's some good. And stuff. So, anyway, yeah, we we'll have to have a MIDI special. Uh, David, have you got your MIDI board ready too, or? Uh, I don't actually have a MIDI board here, but I do have the MIDI coming out of the uh, second sound, and I've got plenty mm. of other MIDI things here. I'm happy to join in with the MIDI discussion. Absolutely. Yeah, I like to do a special on MIDI on the Coco now that we actually have a commercial MIDI board out again, finally after yeah. years. So. And yeah, I have, to get myself, I have to get myself one of those boards, definitely. It's on my must-do list. It looks good, Brian. I, I like what you're doing there with the OBS. I'm glad to see you working on that. It's looking good. Yeah, maybe I can become a backup. Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be <laughs> awesome. Uh, did anybody else have anything they wanted to share or show or talk about? Anyone? Oh, uh, okay. David David yeah. O'Connor. Yeah, just a quick thing. It's um, not so much um, anything sort of so much to show, but... Uh, Everybody's familiar with my uh, my Coco 3 in a Model 4 case. Um, I'm, I was just discussing at the start of the show, or just before we started the show, I'm um, looking for a name for it. I've been thinking about calling it the Coco 34, but, but yeah, sort of, you know, Coco 3 in a Model 4 case. But what I'm uh, going to do, I'm going to have a competition and uh, for people to name my... Coco 3 in a Model 4 case, and whoever... Uh, and, and we're going to win a Vegemite. Well... <laughs> I don't know if I call that winning, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Whoever comes up with the uh, with the winning name um, for this Coco. system, um, I'm going to give them a free copy of um, whatever album of mine they would like. Oh, that's mm. cool. Neat. Cool. Hmm. We heard Coco... We, Kevin Holloway says Coco 3.4. We have Retro Innovation saying Coco 0.75. James Differentaffer says Frank and Coco. Um, <laughs> no, that's Mr. Dave 6309. <laughs> what I might do is I'll, I'll, I'll let this run through till the end of September. Um, okay. And I'll put, it, I'll put it up on the TRS-80 uh, Facebook group <laughs> as well. And, um, and yeah, we could, we could as um, until the end of September, I'll, I might do an update each show and what people have submitted or whatnot. And, and yeah. I'll take it from there and see if we can find a good name for this thing. Ken Reichard says the whoever picks the worst name gets a copy of Nightmare Highway. Okay, that's great. Yeah, we got to name it, right? Um, okay, cool. Community involvement. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. Who else had show and tell project to share, story to share? Uh, okay, then I will go. 
A uh, couple, couple of things. Uh, taking a cue from the playbook of Brian Weasler, I look for books, and I found this one here. Uh, the Basic Computer Games. And this one is a supposedly a first printing uh, for however many times they printed this. And, and the pages are, are very clean and very white, so it definitely is um, has lots of listings. It's all stuff it's just into a generic basic that should work on any... 8-bit system of the time, but it's pretty cool. It's, it's shiny. It's clean. It's, you know, it looks very nice. I love the kind of 80s style schoolhouse rock looking artwork on this. And there's another book that he got that he's going to be sending me. Um, that's a, a graphics, Coco uh, graphics by the uh, the Inmans. Um, I don't know if I showed this one off before, but um, this is another kind of interesting controller. I'm trying to find the holy grail for if you use the Coco Pie, right? So I'm trying to find something that is a wireless keyboard, gamepad, whole nine yards. And um, I tried another product and to switch between keyboard and joystick it um, lost the identity or one of the other. And then that was a problem with MAME because if you had to switch back to the keyboard, it lost the joystick and MAME didn't know the joystick was there. And so that didn't work. So this one here is kind of looks like an Xbox controller with a trackpad built or the chat pad built in. If you've ever used like an Xbox 360, these have these little chat pads you could snap into your controller. So this, um, it is wireless. It's RF. It uses a little USB dongle. It's not Bluetooth. Um, it is a keyboard and a controller. It is not both at the same time. You have to press a toggle button to switch, but it does keep the recognition of the joystick and the keyboard at all times. So, um, so your um, Raspberry Pi operating system sees both devices at all times, and so MAME never loses uh, recognition of the joystick. So it is closer to a perfect solution for a, a real easy RetroPie game console experience. Uh, Cocoa Pie game console experience, so it's getting a little bit closer. So I'm trying different products to find that one thing that does it all. Um, so almost there with that. So and I'm hopefully cool. going to be doing more on the Cocoa Pie as time goes on. And uh, if you have been following anything on Discord this week too, you may or may not be aware of the fact that I have picked up again my Cosmic Aliens project that's been sitting on a shelf for probably two years. So I kind of got back into that and I've been working on that pretty actively most of the week and I made a lot of progress, did a lot of things, and then I'm actually trying to do a, a minor rewrite now because I found one small bug in, in a piece of logic in the game. Um, but what, what had happened a while ago was uh, I had some assembly language routines that John Strong had donated to me to speed things up. And then the problem was he gave me so many routines, I kind of lost track of what was my program or how to even use my own program. So I kind of felt like I was stuck in a corner and I didn't know what to do. And rather than trying to fix that problem, I just put my head in the sand and said, uh, I don't know what to do. And I didn't do anything. So I just said, F it. And I walked away from it because I was confused and frustrated. Um, but then I said, you know what? I could actually just go back because I have multiple versions. I save every copy of the program as I go along. So I just kind of kept backtracking until I got to a version that was 99% mine. And then I just, I basically have peeled away all of the assembly um, routines that he gave me to help speed it up because number one, I, I lost comprehension on how to use them. But number two, I'm like, well, this is my game. And part of my feeling was I lost that 
feeling of this being my game. So I've done some, I went back a few versions. I've stripped out everything now. It's back to being 100% basic. And then I've moved it forward and I've made a lot of progress. I've discovered things that weren't right um, that, that, that should be changed. And I've made a lot of changes. I've been playing and tweaking and play testing. So I've been working on that. And, and based on everything, I think in another day or two, I'll have a quote unquote new version of the game that is back to being all of my stuff. And I kind of want to finish that project because it's been sitting around forever and I think it's very close to being finished. And I'm just going to release it, and you can download it and play it for free. And it's a crappy game in basic that, uh, you know, it's going to join a long it's all yours. line. Of, yeah, but it's all mine, right? A long line of other crappy games in basic. But it's a project that I started that I want to finish, and I'm just going to feel good that I've got it finished. So I'm thinking that will be reaching the finish line soon. So that's been kind of what I've been working on this week. Um, and that's it for me. So okay, on cool. that note... I've not heard anything from Paul, so I'm assuming he's still busy with his son, so I guess I'll just have to uh, present what we were going to present just by myself. Um, so I'll do a screen share here. Is that coming up? It is up. Certainly is. Hey, so this is actually, uh, I'm running the MAME emulator. I've got the uh, 6309 and 6809 versions running of the same thing. I've also got the Base09 source code underneath to, to reference later. Okay. But basically, uh, Paul Shoemaker, as you guys know, has released that uh, solo poker game that he did with some pretty nice card drawings and 16-color graphics on the on the Kogo 3. And I thought, that's a really nice card set. Uh, if you send me a copy of the uh, graphics... I'll uh, make get put buffers out of them and put them on the next ease of use. And then there'll be a standard set of cards that if anybody wants to write a card game, whether they want to do it in assembly or base 9 or C or Pascal or whatever, the, they won't have to draw the graphics. So they'll just be able to just grab these buffers and use it. So um, <clears throat> one of the things I've been concentrating on ease of use beta 5 and 6. So the beta 5 is already out. You guys can download it for free from my site. Beta 6 is a work in progress. It'll be out before Christmas. Uh, I've actually managed to speed up some of the get put buffers even a little bit more since the beta 5 release. So I decided to just see what it would look like. Um, and actually, I was quite surprised the 6809 version actually is running a bit faster than I was expecting. So I'm going to demonstrate that here. So right now I've got the program is paused and it's loading 55 card images. Now there's 52 playing cards, your, your four suits times your 13 cards. There's also like a card back and an empty spot, which is designed for the green background that uh, Paul used in his game. So we'll probably tweak that at some point. Um, also, there's a joker that was not used in the poker game that uh, is available as well. Just 55 card images. And basically, this uh, demo is written in base 9. There's no assembly involved. And basically, it's preloaded these 55 get put buffers. And then it basically just goes bouncing from left to right across the screen, moving, I think it's two pixels, one even byte to the right and then to the left as it's going, and then just randomly placing the card vertically and just cycling through the 55 card images. And basically not doing anything else. And it just leaves a trail of all this stuff on the screen. Um, so the one on the left, I believe, is a 6809 version, and the one on the right is a 6309 version, which is a little mm, bit faster. They actually both say HD 6309. It's Cocoa 3H. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's because I just booted up the emulator with the same oh, mode. Oh, but, but the okay, I but the actual 6809 OS. Nitro 9 on one, and booted gotcha. 6309 gotcha. on the other. Okay, so um, so we'll kind of go through the little bit of source code a little bit afterwards here, but uh, for now, I'll just uh, kickstart them up here.
Oh yeah, the one on the right is definitely faster. Yeah, but the one on the left is actually not too bad. It's not a, too it's bad. It's a thirty-two by forty-one pixel get put buffer, and like I said, in basic, I'm not doing anything fancy at all. This is just standard get put buffers as long as you're on an even byte boundary, and actually, it's it's gemming them up at a pretty good clip. Yeah. So I think this kind of proves you could do some arcade style games, low end arcade. You wouldn't be you know pulling off a Gunstar or anything with this, but uh, you can definitely you know do some pretty decent graphics. And for you guys that program disk basic get put buffers either for you know Coco one and two or for the Coco three, I'm assuming this is a fair bit faster from what I remember. I haven't fiddled with them in a while. Mm-hmm. So anyway, now does the, does basic oh nine call it get and put or do they call it something else? No, they call it get and put. Okay. Actually, I can switch over here. Didn't basic oh nine come out before Microsoft basic on the Coco? Um, it was developed before the Coco came out, yes, because they originally did it for the 6809 with Motorola in 7980s when they started mm-hmm. designing it. So technically came out, and then Basic 09, the, the main core language came out for the Coco 1 in 83, um, and then the Coco 2, of course, and they had a low-res graphics package, but it wasn't anywhere near as extravagant. It had some very basic commands, but not much. It didn't even have get-put buffers, actually. Mm. It had, like, circle and flood fill and, you know, P-set and line, and that's about it. Okay. The Coco 3 one actually has more graphics commands than, than Super Extended Basic does by quite a large margin. There's a lot of things you can do in there. So the actual source code... Put a lot faster. So the program that's running right now is that. That's all. Wow. And then these other ones here, I've got the little card palette routine, which basically just sets the colors to match what Paul did on his original game so the graphics look right. Okay. And, of course, you can tweak them. It's just data statements. Load cards is just a routine that actually loads in all of the um, graphic images from the sys directory, which is where they'll be showing up in ease of use beta 6, and you guys can use these. Now, one nice thing about OS 9 being multitasking is that these get put buffers, once you're loaded, they're shared, which means if you wanted to run, say, a poker game in one window and a uh, blackjack game in a second and a, you know, parts game in the third or whatever it doesn't have to reload all the graphics and take all the ram up to use that they all share the same card images so basically you're saving a ton of memory because these cards i think i figured out took like 48k total to do them all so you can actually you know multitask quite a few of them and they all share the same buffers so, so this little routine just resource sorry was that becomes a system resource yes yeah basically and then this is just a little subroutine if you wanted to kill the card buffers to reclaim that 40k of, of graphics RAM back. Now that, because this is going to be a system-wide thing, that I would, you know, I would prompt the user for if you're going to use this routine to kill them off. Because if he's running a card game in another window your program doesn't know about, you don't want to suddenly, like, wipe out the get-put buffers so the other game just gets totally screwed up with random gibberish. But yeah, like I said, basically the here, and um, for those not, not familiar with Basic 9, it's not doing too much special here. I've got a couple of, you know, variables dimmed. DWN, device window end, I mean, just close the current window, whatever setting it was, it was hardware text or a 40 column or an 80 column or whatever. Uh, this DW set here sets up for a 320 by 200 by 16 color graphics screen. Then I run the card palette to set the palettes right for the cards, load the cards, loads all those get put buffers. You saw the tail end of that earlier, uh, loading it. That takes a little bit of time because it's a fair bit of graphics to load. Scale switch off. Uh, there's automatic scaling, so you can actually design a program that is set for a 640 screen no matter what mode you're in, and it'll just scale it to whatever size. So even if you're doing a window that's not even the full width of the screen, it'll scale the coordinates. That gets a little bit tricky because sometimes the scaling's a little bit off if you're doing fairly small windows. So I generally, when I'm doing full screen apps, I shut it off. It also takes a little bit longer because that's to translate and convert them. 
And then it's just basically just a, uh, setting up some stuff here. I set the foreground background color so you can read the text, clear the screen, shut the cursor off. Otherwise, you have this little blinking cursor going every time it puts a buffer on the screen. Uh, and then I just have a loop that puts the cards in and just, you know, flips the direction back and forth and, uh, you know, does a random. So, you, so you're basically just saving each each card basically as a string, as an array, as an array, of, a string array, basically. So then you can just call it. Well, call it's, a, it's a little bit different. It. It's a little bit different. It, unlike basic, regular basic, uh, Nitrous 9 and OS 9 do not use arrays to do get put buffers. It's actually its own separate entity. It's a graphic block buffer, basically. It's used for cursors. It's used for your fonts. It's used for get put buffers. They all share the same routines to do this kind of stuff. So it's, there's no arrays or anything. It doesn't take any memory out of your program whatsoever, actually. It's all in system memory outside. So I'm like right now, when we're loading. 40 some odd fonts and we're loading a whole bunch of patterns and graphic cursors and and now cards and stuff and this is all outside of your program so unlike super extended basic where if you're drawing cards and stuff like that and doing get put buffers that actually comes out of your own memory and like i think in the coco 3 the h buff is actually outside of your program too but on the coco 1 and 2 if you remember get put you had to dim an array to you know fit your stuff yep, well that yep. takes memory away from your basic program you don't have to worry about that in, in here at all so you can basically so i've got two meg on my main Coco 3, so I could load it basically anywhere into that 2 meg memory. Yep, yep. Actually, I've, I fiddled a little bit. I didn't show that for this demo here, but uh, I've actually fiddled a little bit. I took some animated GIFs off the web. Like, I have one guy that's swinging a sword, and it's about, I don't know, 16 frames of animation type thing. And you can actually grab those buffers out and then use them in your own games. You can actually have this guy that's actually, like, fully rendered and drawn. You're doing swinging swords and stuff like that. It's kind of cool. I'm going to try to find a bunch of those in here and see if I can find enough to make a little demo game or something out of that just to show, you know, what, what that would look like. But, yeah, basically that's, that's the entire main loop that's drawing everything is just from here to here with a check if you hit the Q key to exit. And it turns Ooh. the cursor back on and then sets the color to something you can actually read. Yeah, that's cool. It's very fast. Hmm. Impressive. It heaps faster. Yep. Very and of cool. course, you got stuff like overlay windows, change working areas. You've got filled circle, filled ellipse. You got patterns and all kinds of stuff you can use that don't exist in super extended basic. So there's a fair bit of power there. Another nice thing is too, you can change the program, chain the programs together. So let's say you want to draw your get put buffers yourself in your program. You can actually have one procedure that draws all the graphics. And then you get all the get put buffers out of that using get. And then you can chain to the actual program that plays the game, which means the original program that did all the drawing goes bye-bye and it doesn't use any of your 64K workspace. So you don't have to keep that stuff in memory while you're running the game like some other games do. You can actually just set have one program that sets up everything and then chains to the other program so it gets its own 64K for your actual gameplay code. And all the graphics are outside of that, and and then the actual drawing of the graphics is outside of that. So basically, you've made a program that's essentially 128k or whatever it is. Do you could change any of those buffers at any point by going into this into, say, you've got two, you know, uh, multitasking windows going. You've got one program running there to load your buffers. You could change those buffers then, and it automatically change what you call back from the from yep. the put buffer. Yeah. On the other screen. Yeah, there's two ways of doing it. I'm doing GP load, which is basically loading from a disk file and just you know merging it in and, and setting it up. Uh, but you can also map a get put buffer right into your own address space and poke into it to change you know the graphics themselves or the colors Ooh. or whatever else you want to do. So you can you can do that as well. But if you do that with a shared buffer like this, as you mentioned, any other card game you're running in a different window will automatically get the new cards then. 
live while you're playing. Yeah, this would be kind of neat to see maybe some Mahjong tiles too to set up to have, have like some Mahjong games and stuff. Yeah, well, there is a Basic 09 Mahjong game on Beta 5 right now, uh, Shanghai B09. It's by Sean Driscoll, the guy who did that okay. GUI library thing. So that's okay. a demonstration of it. Now, he wrote that before all my optimizations, and there's some tricks, which will be mentioned in the, in the updated documentation, that will run faster if you do certain byte boundaries and stuff than if you don't. Right. And I don't believe his is actually using those because they didn't exist back then. So his could be tweaked and optimized to be faster than his now, but it's not bad speed-wise as it is. Cool, cool. Well, that's a nice little resource to have for, and maybe a little motivation. Um, I, I know it, it is. It was always on my to-do list with Cosmic Aliens to have a version in Basic 09. Um, my my kind of uh, dance card right now is finish Cosmic Aliens, which I'm hoping to have done in about a week's time. Release it to the world. Get back to finishing Kabam. Release that, and then going on to my assembly. That's been what three years delayed getting into assembly but um <laughs> i am um, well if you're interested in porting either cosmic aliens or kabom to nitrous nine and using some of these things here yeah you know feel free to hit me up for that because i think you could do both of those in basic at a pretty good yeah pace. no i will but i i just i i have two open flames right now which is these two projects that i just want to get done and then yeah. when that's when they're done then i want to learn assembly and then I want to do something in assembly, and then I'll go back and worry about porting. But I, I, the more I keep trying to do things in basic and get distracted, the longer it's going to take me to start learning assembly. So that's been on my to-do list far too long. So I'm trying to get these other things done so I can move on to that. Um, yep. now, yeah. I've talked to Paul, and it was one of the reasons I wanted to have him on here, because he was kind of intrigued with the speed that he saw in this, too. So uh, he's thinking of you know doing a port with my help of uh, possibly getting a solo port or a different card game using the same card deck. Yeah, but doing no, a basic I look forward to that. I look so. forward to that. Yeah. So if that gets done before December, when the next release is out, we'll include the, whatever game project that ends up being on ease of use as well. That's so you'll have you know a full room running game that actually uses the card demo. Excellent, 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 no, excellent, excellent. Well, thanks for sharing that, Curtis, and thanks for all the progress you've been adding to the ease of use project, making Nitrous Nine even more better for the world. That is very cool yeah. stuff. And thanks to Bill, too. I mean, he's the one who got the uh, Gimme X triple speed working on it now. So Noise. Noise, 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 noise. We are coming up on two hours and 40 minutes, so we're almost going on three hours. So we probably need to give the world uh, a rest. But do we have anything else that we want to talk about? or anything? I wouldn't mind showing Brian Schubring's screen briefly because he's actually showing Ultimus running with actual okay. notes okay. and stuff. So Let's... people have not seen this MIDI editor. You know, this is what it looks like. All right, let's move that out of the way. Oh, nice. Look that's at cool. that. Yeah, that's Ultimuse. Oh. It's pretty. Yep. Okay. So up to 16 voices at once, MIDI controls, and plays on real MIDI synths and the whole shebang. So. It looks oh, very... scribble on the screen. <laughs> Music heathen. <laughs> yeah, What's this the... is the uh, piece of music that might carry... Uh, um, Moused into Ultramuse. This is Stars and Stripes Forever. This is what I play at the fest after the introductions and start the fest going. Looks like so. some chickens stepped in ink and walked across the page. It looks like a copyright <laughs> yeah. Well, that means that you don't know about music there, Stevie. I don't. It yeah. shows how une uneducated you are. Yeah. If you've heard him sing, you know that's true. Um, <laughs> What's the bottom class? That's um, percussion, isn't it? 
Yeah, uh, yeah, that's percussion. Uh, uh, okay, got, I've never uh, seen three that Three one bass, and one yep. Uh, percussion. Yep. Tree it's got trebles. time signatures and everything else too. It's it's a, it's a very nice music editing utility. Yeah, that's neat. Are we able to hear anything right now, or is your sound being able to be sharing audio? Um. Well, I tried to map the output to um. Uh, my USB MIDI box, but for some reason it's not working correctly. So okay, I mapped it in uh, um, but in the VCC, but. I'm trying. No, it's no, going to my cool. synthesizer, supposedly, but it keeps coming up with the error. Uh, uh, no MIDI yet. All right. Well, once this you get hooked cool. into the real thing, you can actually play it like you do at the fest there for people that haven't been able to attend. They can actually. Yeah, see, the there's the error. It doesn't have MIDI. I have to try to map uh, Ultramuse to um, the, to the uh, stereo port, I think. Mm. Yeah, because there's a driveway where you to do it too in some of the emulators too. So, yeah, it depends which way you're trying. Is that Ultimus? That's on the STC image, isn't it? Is that a Nitrous 9 or OS9? Yeah, it's, it, yes, that's OS9. Okay. Oh, that's out. Yeah, right. Okay. You're running that in OS9. Okay. Looks good, though. It looks very Mac like. Very good. The gooey-ish. notation is excellent. That's really, really good. Really impressed with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michael Knudsen did an awesome job on this. Well, he also had a uh, Linux version of it, too. Um, which you can find out there somewhere. I think Bill Pierce, um, he's been working on it, rewriting certain uh, aspects of it uh, to work with DriveWire. You can, and uh, you used to be able to update Ultramuse um, through DriveWire, but server connections are broken, and he knows, but you know he's got other things going on. Neat. Neat. Cool stuff. Well, we look forward to seeing more of what you cook up for us, Mr. Shoebring. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, what else? Anyone? Anyone? Anyone have anything else they want to say? Or we play the credits and maybe have some parting thoughts after the credits? And then I don't know. Uh, on my end, so. Okay. I got nothing. You got nothing. We got nothing. All right. Well, we're going to cue the outro, and then we'll be back after that for final thoughts. Thank you, everybody. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click the Patreon link at our website at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tiny flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. 
Custo Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Marenkis, Ron Delvaux, Rick Adams, Jason Riker, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Tom C., Rob Inman, Mark Bosley, Brian Joyce, Ken Riker, David O'Connor, Brian Weasler, Terry Steggy, Nick Morota, John Strong, and many more, especially to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and James Diffendaffer for making my head explode. help support the Coco community by visiting some of its various contributors. A list of resources is available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Nick Marotta. Nick Marotta, Nick Marotta, Nick Marotta. Well, great show again, everybody. Thank you. You are too kind. And uh, thank you, Curtis, for the news. Thank you, Nick Marotta, for the game on. Uh, Thank you, Mark Overholzer, for putting out the links in the chat. And everybody else for being here. Good show. Um, we, we are kind of out of things to talk about, but I do want to maybe ask the quick question since we do have some programmers and project makers here, um, in the panel, you know, Curtis, you're working on beta ease of use and you've been working on that for a while. You know, I, as I picked up cosmic aliens after it being on a shelf for two years, I know my own bad habits. I'm really, it's really easy for me to get knocked off the horse and not want to get back on the horse. So I'm just curious for those of you who actually get things done, how do you do it? And <laughs> what advice <laughs> what advice do you have for slackers like me? So <laughs> uh, well one that I think Nick Marini shares with me is that sometimes if you're getting too flustered on one project or one part of the project and you just can't seem to scramble in your brain exactly how to get it done, is just drop it and go on and try something else that's a bit more fun, a bit more simple. Like he did waterfall, for example, or in mm-hmm. my case, you know, I was trying to figure out this flood fill bug for three freaking weeks on, on Nitro Sign Beta 6, and I wasn't getting anywhere. <laughs> so I just went off and did that card demo, which took me like literally just a couple of hours from getting the original disk basic program from Paul, converting it to OS 9, ripping out all the buffers and everything else, and got a, you know, a nice little animated demo going. And that sometimes when you actually let go of the project for one, you come back, all of a sudden your brain thinks differently, mm-hmm. or something obvious suddenly just springs to mind. Oh, yeah, I can do this type thing. Now, it shouldn't take two years to do that, like in your case, but um, <laughs> sometimes you just need to just shift gears for a bit and then come back to it, and, and you'll be amazed that, you know, that whole new insights will come out. It works for me anyway. Mm. Versus, yeah. uh, hunger could be a uh, good motivator, too, if you're getting paid for it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that's like. <laughs> well, so, that's, no, yeah. that's not fun at all. <laughs> Nick, did you have any yeah, comments on that, or is Nick even still awake? Yeah, I collect Ferrari, so the hunger <laughs> is of getting my next Ferrari. <laughs> I can get a fair number in a shoebox. <laughs> How big are your feet? Let's <laughs> well, like Nick. Do you actually keep like deadlines? Like, do you have sort of like a, you know, do you, do you try to schedule deadlines for your games? Like when to hit certain milestones, oh, that kind of thing. Not, not for the entire project. 
I set deadlines up for sections of the game. So you, you break the project up into into stages and you set a deadline for each stage. So I'm going to do, you know, a part of the game. I'm going to make sure I get it done by this weekend or in a week. That way, if I want to take a break, I can stop there, do something else and then return knowing that I've I've completed that previous stage. So I start on the next stage fresh. Because you don't have like a you don't have like a tandy breathing down your neck or anything, so you have to be pretty no no self motivated right. to keep a, a schedule. Yeah, so. yeah, that's right. <laughs> cool. And having like fawning it. fans like Nick does, I think that probably helps him do it too. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> is it fawning when you're like, so how's the game coming? When's it going to be released? Is that fawning? <laughs> <laughs> I'm finding it's just making making a little list, like even on my phone, just on my notepad thing, just putting a list there of things I want to get done. And then I've got something in front of me. Oh, yeah, I've got to do that. I've got to do that. And I, then I, if I've got a list of things in front of me that I can see, I can I can say, yeah, that one's not important. Yeah, that one's really important. Let's do that one. Yeah. No. I've got to go with the LCB theory. Um, the first, when I first pick up a project, I do a great outstanding leaps forward and then it just sort of ramps down from there. So I can keep beating my head against that wall, or I can go do something else. You yeah. get a great leap forward on that project. And then when I come back to this one, it's golden. Oh, it's it's like there's some subconscious work going on when I'm not there. The, yeah, the, yeah, the, the brain really does need... do that. The brain seems to detangle itself over time. Yeah. Defrag. Defrag the brain. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I, I kind of no look motivation. at it. It's like, it's, sorry, Ron, what was that? There's no motivation to get it on the show. That, that would be one thing. I mean, with uh, Nick Marenti's used to do updates, you know, pretty much weekly sometimes mm -hmm. on his game as he'd make it. And yeah, that's just for like, him to stroke his ego, though, more than anything else. So. <laughs> ego is a big motivator. Yeah. <laughs> One of the I mean, reasons honestly, why honestly, I think a few of us do that. We do the project updates up here because we hear feedback, especially if it's positive, <clears throat> or at least we're going in the right direction. That actually does egg us to go on and, and keep pursuing it. Whereas everybody goes, ah, who cares? You know, that, that project looks like it sucks, and you just yeah. kind of drop it and do something else. So That's one of the reasons why I did uh, decided on, uh, today on the updates and acquisitions to do a, a competition for naming this because I want to get this project finished. This is another yeah, that's good idea. base and things here. So. I figured if I yeah. put out a competition to get people to name it, that inspires me to get in and actually do some work on it this month. Yeah. Uh, Chet, since you just joined us, do you, do you have any tips on how to stay focused on a project and getting it done? Um, well, really, I just, uh, for me, it's a lot of, I guess, a lot of planning um, to kind of get rid of, you know, as many of the unknowns as I can that, because I mean, it gets really frustrating when you get into a project and, and you get you come to a dead stop because you know either you didn't forget either you forgot something or there's something that you need to do that's um, like you need to put together a level. Well, how do you get all of that stuff together? How do you build your tiles into a file and stuff like that? Um, you know, so making sure that I've got all the tools like with, when I did with Digger One, making sure I have my assembler, being able to upload it over to the Cocoa, having all of that stuff out of the way first and letting me getting into the project and focus on that really, really helps. Because then I'm always focusing on the project. I'm not going left. I'm not going right to, to focus on something up that I have to fulfill because either I didn't forget about it or, you know, just, just that lack of planning. Oh, I got one other great big 
really big fat tip too that'll work for everybody. <laughs> Turn off Facebook. <laughs> oh, that is the best way to avoid getting anything done there is well i tell you what i because i i did work on my game a lot this week what i had to do was this any type of distraction because even like on discord um i'm finding i can't multitask so when i'm trying hmm. to work on my code and trying to do this i can't be chit-chatting because uh, I just want to be hyper focused, and so I'm not. Mm. And so uh, yeah, so any form of distraction. Uh, I know there was one evening I was doing some screen sharing and stuff, and then all of a sudden, all the engineers wanted to try to help me, and it's like oh, everybody shut the fuck up, right? I, I, I just I just need to um, I just need to do what I need to do, you know. And I, I know you're trying to help, but it wasn't helping, you know what I mean? And that's just human nature. Everybody wants to chim- ch- to ch- kind of chime in. But uh-huh. I, in the mindset that I was in, it's like, no, I just need to unplug and I got to work on this and, and stuff. So, but yeah, I, I have, and this has been me in my whole life. This is not just on my Cocoa projects, but I'm notorious for anything I can put off, I will. You know, and I've been doing it, I've been doing it with the newsletter, you know, the quarterly yeah. newsletter that comes out about once every year and a half. Uh, yes. <laughs> so uh, so I'm, I, I am, I'm a lifetime procrastinator and, um, you know. I, and I don't even work on complicated things like like Chet's working on. He's working on a huge fancy program. I'm working on a piece of crap and basic, and I can't even stay focused. You know, so it's just like a lot of these are my own ta- my own problems. You know, I was going to take a university course on procrastination, but it was going to be a complete waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And one, one thing I do want to ask you guys good on that already. Yeah. <laughs> one thing I want to ask you guys here on, on getting distracted, as, as since you brought it up, Steve. Like sometimes if I'm trying to figure out something, I have to get so undistracted I can't even have outside sounds. Like I can't even play mm. music in the background or anything ah, else. I have to just okay. have dead silence so that I'm just one with the machine type thing. Does anybody else get go that far? Or because I know a lot of people seem yeah. to program with with music. Yeah, at that point yes. you should probably yes. step away because at that point I'd, I'd have to say, <laughs> I, I really I would I'd have to say that at that point you were you were too hyper focused to really have a clear picture of you know of everything. It probably ends up being more frustrating than than it should be. Uh, with that because any little thing can just kind of trip you off so at, at that point i mean for me that's something that i immediately step away from and say screw this i'm not dealing with this right now yeah go out sit on the front porch smoke a bowl and you know <laughs> come back and, and look at it in a completely different light i mean because at that point i'm liking it a whole lot more than i was 10 minutes before that um, but yeah, that's because of the bowl that's got nothing to do with anything <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i mean it, it's that Shutting yourself off and isolating, you know, with, with no form of, of stimulus is, is typically a, a, a really big signal. You should just stop. Yeah, for me, it seems to help me, but I can only do it like sparingly. Like I can't just try to write the whole program that way. But every yeah. once in a while, if, if, if it's complicated, I've got a lot of outside variables I'm trying to figure out. Then I have to concentrate solely on that. And now hearing some tune that I start bobbing my head to just kind of distracts me a little bit too much. <laughs> yeah, if, if I hit some sort of roadblock that I've got something hard to work on. I'll turn everything off and then maybe even do it late at night between yeah. like 10 and 2 in the morning because I can focus for some reason. Yeah, mm. I'm the same way, actually. I can do much better programming at night than I can during the day. Yeah, so I just you don't know, see DMX and go at it. You know, Curtis, <laughs> what I found is that songs you can sing along with uh, are usually more distracting than not. And so I discovered about 10 years ago, dubstep and trance. Uh, yeah, I used to do instrumentals. <laughs> If it's a yeah. simpler programming project, I can do instrumentals and stuff, and that doesn't drag me. But uh, yeah, even, even those, if I'm if I'm if I'm trying to concentrate on something, I'm trying to figure out how it works or how it's supposed mm-hmm. to work. 
Mm-hmm. Then yeah. I, I need no distractions all for a little bit, at least if, until I get over that hump, yeah. and then I can throw it back on again. Yeah. If you're in, if you're in the groove trance, and those are great because they're like 140 beats per minute, and so you're just bopping along, just doing stuff, you know. And it's like <laughs> just, yeah, but then I'm, I'm, some in my head, I'm worried about you know, am I keeping time? You know, oh, wait, wait, I'm supposed <laughs> to be figuring out this sine wave thing. Or whatever. <laughs> no, yeah. you don't keep time. If you're well, in the music point, Mark, I, I do that all Classical the time. Classical music. When I'm on a roll. I'm on a roll, and I've I'm not trying to solve problems i'm just trying to create then i turn the music on and i turn it on loud and i just go but if i need to really concentrate yeah music off and i focus in on the problem there you go when i'm doing artwork and stuff i have uh uh tv on on my one computer um at&t you can stream so i have fox news on and then i play uh uh YouTube, I'll watch uh, something on astronomy or I'll watch, uh, you know, uh, or I have music on. And I, I always have to have like two, two streams of something. Hmm. And I'm, I always, I'm constantly I'll, I'll doing my artwork and stuff and then something will pick up my ear that I want to hear, you know, so I focus on that. Or and sometimes I turn down the music just a little bit so I can make sure that I monitor what I want to hear. But I'm always having ports coming in just seems to be uh to me it just keeps sparking different things in my head so interesting yeah that's what i do well i'm just kind of glad that i picked up you know something that's been on a shelf for too long it was kind of funny somebody in discord posted a message saying oh i'm just posting this on the second anniversary of the last time anything had been posted on this thing i'm like okay somebody's trying to give me a subtle hint that i haven't done anything <laughs> in two years so yeah maybe i should pick this up again but it's, it's always been in the back of my mind what i want to do how i want to do it and I, I just remember with cosmic aliens the graphical version i i just kind of felt like i got stuck in a corner with some of the routines that were added and it just kind of discouraged me or frustrated me or whatever it was and then that was all it took for me to completely just stop. Oh, I'm confused. I don't know what to do. I'll just quit, you know, and that was the wrong mm-hmm. thing to do, right? I should have I should have just regressed a few versions two years ago and then went back to where I knew what the hell I was doing and, and come forward, but I just kind of got that woe is me thing and just said, oh, F it, and then I just, boom. Um, the, the other one that I did, which was I, I was doing a proof of concepts, I did a text cosmic aliens, and then I, I threw that out there, and then all of a sudden that started taking on a life of its own too, where uh, it was made better than what I even started off. And again, that kind of got me a little bit discouraged. I'm like, wait a second, this was supposed to be my program, and now it's somebody else's program, but the reality was is that I wasn't working on it myself, and somebody was more enthused and motivated and productive than I was with my own project, so it wasn't like that I was upset that somebody did that, but it also just kind of gave me this kind of psychological, like, oh, mm-hmm. shit, you know, now I don't know what to do, and I don't want to do it, I'm all bummed out, you know, so I get, I'm really easy to get psyched out, you know, it doesn't take a lot for me to psychologically get the wind knocked out of me, and it takes me a long you? time to, no. um, you know, to want to start <laughs> over again, you know, so... Um, what I have learned by all this is I am never going to ask for help again, and I am never going to give out source code again <laughs> until it's done. And then when it's done, you do what the hell you want with it. But I don't want anybody else doing a better job on my program than I'm doing it until my program's done. You know, <laughs> so um, and that's like with Kabam. I'm, I like that game, but it needs some tweaking, and I got some ideas there too. So um, I'm just glad that I'm at, for the moment coding again and working on stuff, and hopefully going to mm. get some shit done. So. Um, Good deal. All right. Well, 
thanks for all that input, everybody. Uh, any par- any parting thoughts, final thoughts, Curtis Boyle, for the folks at home? Uh, no, hopefully we can get Paul on next week and he can kind of discuss uh, you know, where he wants Absolutely. to see that. Mark D. Overholzer, final thoughts for the folks at home? Okay. No? Uh, just find the mute button. So, Fine. please ask uh, No, uh, glad <laughs> to be here as always. I'm always glad to have all the people here watching. It's a lot of fun to promote the color computer and all the stuff that's going on. Yeah, so. yeah. Thank you for having us. Ron Delvo, final thoughts hey, for all your fans? Uh, we did really well with having nothing in the yeah. beginning. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I got nothing. Yeah. David O'Connor, <laughs> final thoughts? Uh, name my Coco and get a free copy of one of my albums. There we go. Brian Shubring? Coco McCokeface. Coco McCokeface. <laughs> Rick Eulin, final thoughts from you, sir? I'm speechless. All right. Nick Morota, Nick Morota, Nick Morota. We already have some scores uh, submitted for this week's game, which is uh, awesome, but also means some people aren't paying attention to our show right now. Ah, that's so, fine. So uh, I don't know. Do we reward that or do we penalize that? Yeah. yeah. And the worst thing is most of those people are on the panel. So that's yeah, exactly. Everything we are. He said penal. Uh, Nick Morenti's <laughs> final thoughts. Oh, uh, I, I think as little as possible. So. All right. <laughs> you have to show us that box with your cars in it. Yeah. Mark Bosley, <laughs> final thoughts? Oh, guilty. Okay. <laughs> James hey, Diffendeffer, final thoughts. At least I can play thoughts. this game. <laughs> this is a great way to waste a couple hours. Yeah. Oh, mission accomplished. Absolutely. <laughs> Alan Murphy, final thoughts? Are you working on a project? Alan Murphy is the guy who gets stuff done. Crickets. Wake Crickets. up. He's muted. He's working. He's not muted. All right. Well, until then, Chet Simpson, final, final thoughts. Yes, eat your beats, children. They're good for you. All right. And on that note, we are pressing the button. Say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.